life. extensive um he uh he worked at uh specialty reptile shops uh when he was younger and now he is at the virginia zoo i believe um <clears throat> but tonight we're probably going to be focused on womas and short tail pythons but i'm sure we'll sneak in some uh liasis talk because he's worked with maclots and sabus and uh of course he's done carpets uh tons and tons of pythons and Maybe at some point we'll have him back to uh, talk about uh, some of the boas that he's uh, bred as well. But, um, yeah, while we wait for him to come on, it uh, should be a good show. Oh, and what's going on with you? Uh, so, <laughs> um, it, was, uh, it was a pretty interesting weekend. I went up to um, uh, White Plains this weekend and uh, hung out with okay. uh, Mike Curtin for a little bit and I did one of those, I get the white planes, I run in the back door, um, and I run around do my stuff, and then I get the hell out of there um, before the show opens. So gotcha. if you were there and I didn't say hey to you, I'm sorry, I missed you. I was trying to get out of there before it became a, the sweat box it was turning into. Um, most reptile shows in the summer are not pleasant. So, um, yeah, I ran out the white planes. I got to hang out with Mike Curtin. I picked up a pair of his uh, Russian – Tigers. Sweet. They're they're pretty. <laughs> I mean, they're yeah. they're pretty. <laughs> like, I, never, I, I, I always I always kind of like told people like, oh, don't you work with Russians? Like, nah, and nah, nah. they're pretty. And I will never let those tigers touch any of my other bloodline tigers. Like, I don't want to mix them with shit. I want them to be over here breeding with each other, but. I was insanely happy with those. Um, so, you have brushes? Yes, yes. I just have ah. a female. 
Um, okay. And uh, she's probably well. She's yeah. She's probably ready to breed next year. But I always I originally brought bought um, those to outcross the red tigers with. And what I mean by the red tigers is Jason's 07 red tigers, not yes. the MBB red tigers. Cause it's a very similar, similar type of look. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I dig them a lot. They're, they're a very, very cool snake. Um, and, and the, the cool thing about them is they're from Russian zoo stock, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, they could be uh locality um obviously that'll never be proved but you know never never ever <laughs> but, <laughs> but still they're, cool but you know really they are and it's a really cool animal and i especially love their head because it is a nice bright kind of red off the head with a very different kind of head pattern or lack thereof so they're really cool and and i'm kind of glad mike uh, was able to hook me up with that he had their mother um, was there because I guess he's selling the pair of adults, so I got to see yeah. her, and I kind of get to look forward to what my guys are going to turn into. So I was definitely happy about that. And then he brought, uh, I think he had his monkey tails had babies, um, so he had a few oh, no baby. Yeah, it was. Uh, so he had a few baby monkey. Ta- he had two baby monkey tails there, um, and he was actually like holding them and letting them like hang out. And then the one like. He's hanging out on his shoulder and it's just, just licking the back of his head and then it just chomps right down on his head, like on the back of Mike's like head. And Mike's like, "Oh, is it biting me?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And he's like, "It'll give up in a minute." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> what do we do? Nothing. It's like so. He's like, oh, they, "They like the salt," and they're like, "This is kind of tasty." And it chomp. So and it's a baby little monkey tail, so it didn't really do too much damage or anything. But yeah, it was awesome getting to hang out with those things. I could see the allure. Of the skinks, I'll never do it. Um, but yeah, I also got to. Uh, I ran into uh, Evan Wexler was up there. He's walking around. Crystal Lemmy was walking around. Um, I got to talk to Jay McClear for a little bit. Talk to him about some of his stuff. And it's funny is that um, apparently one of my super caramel jags made its way like around the world and back to Jay. So it's <laughs> like. <laughs> He goes, yeah, I picked up an animal. I think it's one of yours. I'm like, really? And he goes, he tells me where he got it from. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, one of my super caramel jacks. He's like, yeah, very pretty animal. I'm like, well, I'm glad you got it because now I know where it is, and that's cool. So I always like it when my animals turn up with people that I know because then I know where it is. And if I ever need something, I track you down and hound you and bother you until you give me stuff from that animal or give me it back. So, yeah, <laughs> it was definitely that's cool. That's awesome. Um, and then I made a grievous mistake. Uh oh, big mistake. I uh-uh. uh, my 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 debit card flew out of my wallet, uh, and it does this at reptile shows. I've heard to numerous people this happens, where the debit card flies out of the wallet, and then independent of itself runs around the reptile show, and then lands at a table, and um, purchases animals without my knowledge. <laughs> and then I have to take them home with me. I mean, my name's yeah, you, on you have to at that and, point. You know, I mean, that's just, it just kind of happened. So, I mean, you have to. Uh, so, um, an adult pair of Womas showed up at my house on Sunday night. I don't know how that happened, but, yeah. Because you knew we were talking Womas on the show tonight. You're that's right, why. 
That's what it was. I, I, I had no clue. I, I don't look at these things before the show. But anyway. Um, that yeah, that makes just... me so happy because <laughs> for a long time, for a long time, you've been a, a let's say, not a strong supporter of Walma Pythons. But, well, that's, but I did, yeah, well, because I had the pair, I had the trio of Walmas years ago. And mm-hmm. two out of the three Walmas were psychopaths. And they were all three very, very pretty Walmas. Like, I regret losing that boy because he was just that drop gay gorgeous. But, like, they were all, like, they were psychopaths, and they were huge. And I know what it was, like, what I was doing, and I bought them on a, you know, suggestion. And it's one of those things of, like, at that time, I was just, I wanted to do carpet pythons, and that was it. Carpet python, carpet python, carpet python. I wanted to get this more of a carpet python, that more of a carpet python, carpet python, and everything. So I sold them right. all. And now I'm sitting here, and we've had conversations about this numerous times, where I'm finding that I want to get involved with more species that don't have freaking morphs, just so I can breed the snake, slap a $300 um, (laughs) sticker on it, and get it the hell out of here. So it's like I was just kind of thinking about that. So I I was offered these Womas. I was offered them at a very good price, and they're adult-proven animals, and they are very pretty. So I decided that, you know, why not pull the trigger and give a shot at Womas again? So um, I brought them. They were both very easily handled. They were both very calm, very nice. Put them in the cage with each other because they had an open four-footer. So they're just hanging out. And then uh, today the male tried to murder me. So it's... <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what to think about this now. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're cool. And like I said, they're adults, and I'd like to try to, you know breed them and see if I can get some more babies, try to get some more babies into the incubator uh, for next year. So yeah, I'll give them a shot. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're one of my favorites for sure. Um, I've, I've always, I've, I actually, I think I like them more than I like blackheads to be honest, but I mean, I like both of them, but for some reason the walnuts are just, uh, I don't know. I just dig them. Oh, but, uh, it's the sandy color with the tan, I mean, that's always cool with their body color. I have, my cousin was over here uh, today, uh-huh. and he, he was checking them out, and he really dug the snake until I pulled it out, and he's like, what's up with their heads? And I'm like, well, they kind of got a little stumpy heads. And he, he's like, that's, that's kind of weird. I mean, the rest of it looks awesome, but the heads are kind of weird. I'm like, yeah, it's all right. It's just, they're they're yeah. a weird, weird creature. So, yeah. Yeah, they're just... So, yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, like I said, I'm glad to, to see you got Walmas. But I'm with you with the, uh, I don't know, we've been talking about it for the past couple of weeks, but the whole morph thing, I'm kind of with you, man. It seems like um, that the, you know, the things that uh, hold, uh, again, not that this matters, but the things that hold the value and stuff like that are the, you know, the people that really work with, that you know certain species and refine it and you know it seems to uh uh what what's the word i'm looking for it seems to stay more consistent i guess maybe that's the word is, is you know what i'm saying yeah, like it's well, like I mean, it, 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 it's not as fluctuating i mean like when it comes to morphs you buy the morph this year and by the time you raise it up the the, the money's down or what the value of the animal is so far down it's ridiculous and you will get your money back by breeding the animal, but, you know, there's so many things to go wrong. Plus, it depends on how far, you know, the, the, sometimes 
the markets crash. Sometimes the overbreeding of that certain morph just makes it go free fall. And it's kind of a little shitty thing where you invested this much money into this. So, you know, obviously if you're in it for trying to make turn a profit, it's very hard. Or even if you're just trying to make just to kind of not have to deal with the whole crap of this was a $300 snake and now it's $150 snake and you're telling me you want me to sell it to you for $90. It's like, I want to make it simple. I want to get back into the, you know, pure enjoyment of this. And that is, I bred this snake and these snakes go for this much. There you go. Who wants a boy? Who wants a girl? That's it. So, um, so I kind of find myself looking at more wild type pythons. So, yeah, you know, I, well, I always have morphs, you know, of carpet. Yeah, really, me too. And, uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not down on them or anything like that at all. I just, you know, as of, as of late, I guess the drama just becomes too much, uh, you know, and it's just like, oh man, I just, you know, mm-hmm. don't want to bother and, with and it. But uh, you're not going to stop breeding the morphs. You're not going to stop buying the morphs. You're not going to stop keeping the morphs. And I can't stop. And if, and if you make a new one or if you find a new one that's very, very pretty, you're still going to want to get invested in it. But, you know, I had, I had an open cage. And the options were filling that animal with insert carpet morph here or something else. And I opted for the something else because I think also, you know, I, I never bred Womas. Womas would be kind of cool to have little eggs coming out. Plus, there aren't that many people that I know of at the reptile show, say maybe Jason Balin that have Wilma's consistently as babies at, like, Hamburg and places like that. So it'd be nice to bring those, have those on the table. It's yeah. it's it's kind of falls into the category of what I think will happen with rough-scale pythons and Owen Pelly pythons mm. and things of this sort. So what will happen People go is crazy. that, go yeah, crazy they'll, they'll, they'll be like, a, oh, my God, i got to have it. So, I, you know, and – when we get Dennis on here, he may be able to uh, to speak to this. But you know, back in the '90s, I I would imagine that you know Woma pythons had a price tag on it that was probably untouchable for most people. So it was one of, of those pinnacle species. And when the price came down to 300 bucks, then everybody's like, "Oh, I don't care about the snake. I prefer <laughs> them to be at 300 bucks." <laughs> and just stay there, you know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I get it. You know, it's 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 one of the, yeah. it's new. It's uh, it's all the way that goes and everything. But uh, before we get Dennis on here, I'm going to post what I got today over in the chat. So, um, yeah, it's a. Uh, <laughs> I got Those this are some pair. Weird carpets. Yeah. yeah. Um. I got a pair of berms. Um, so apparently berms are very difficult to find. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's ever since all that other crap went down. I mean, plus you're, you're, what, what did Matt say? You're like the goody little two shoes. You won't break the rules. Go to Jersey and pick up something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's nope, like, you're not, not. He's like, you're not, you're not the lawbreaker. It's like, well, you know, that is true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. My word. It's, it's all right, Eric, go over here. So yeah, as, I mean, <laughs> as many, as many people know, you know, berms were really my, well, they were my first Python, you know? Um, yeah. 
And uh, I always had uh, I had a huge collection of of berms uh, when I first got back into uh, snakes uh, back in the late '90s, early 2000s, and um, you know never never really had any intentions of breeding them, but just uh, you know always had them. Um, but uh, I don't know, a, a deal worked out, you know, uh, so I took advantage of it and. Here we go. Now with the new reptile room and the new house, uh, you know, should be uh, should be pretty cool. But uh, we're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to when when you start work on your reptile room, I'm gonna have to come over. I won't help, but I'll take pictures. Um, this way, I can document how hard it is and how much you're working at your reptile room. Like I said, uh, maybe I'll bring you a hammer or two from across <laughs> the room, but that's yeah. but because. Because like you're 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 doing something really cool. Because I mean, like as everybody knows, we talked about it. You you get the house, and right. you're design you're designing your reptile room, which I yeah. found was the most fun of moving into my house. Was designing and building my reptile room, which still isn't done yet. But like you're you you asked me for the show. Should you move the snakes in, do a little bit, and then you know let them settle and then finish it up? It's like no no no, do it completely. Then put the snakes in there. So yeah, so yeah, I was telling you that I went to uh, to the um, home inspection, and mm-hmm. we were able to like walk through the house and in, in more detail than in a in a in a more. I didn't have the buyer like the owners there and stuff like that. So um, right. So yeah, I I go into the reptile room, and when I first saw it, I was like, man, this is so huge because. I'm thinking of the room I have and then I'm looking at the mm-hmm. room this is and I'm like, Oh man. So the next time when I went there the other day, I was like, huh, this isn't as big as I thought it was. So I'm going to have to take down this wall and I'm going to have to take mm-hmm. down this wall and rebuild the wall here. Um, so basically what it is, is it's a two car garage. And what they did is that they cut the garage in half and totally finish the one half of the garage is what it is. So so we're um, going to have to make it the whole garage yes. and finish the rest of it. Yes, that's the plan. So, uh, you know, it should be, uh, should be pretty simple. Um, hmm. I did it before, you know, actually when I had to have my berm collection, um, I did that in my basement and sealed it off and, uh, you know, installed heaters and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so yeah, it should be uh, should be fun. In the meantime, I got plenty of bedrooms to uh, to stage them in, which is probably what I'll do. And then you know, just once the room is done, move them. And uh, yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be that. That's kind of so. awesome. And, yeah, and I'm pretty excited. You and your wife are gonna park your cars on the driveway. Yeah, well, I I'm not a big put put my car in the garage type of guy anyway so and there's like you know there's two big sheds out back you know at the same time I, my wife was you know panicking like where are we going to put our christmas tree and stuff like that i'm like don't there. worry about the christmas tree <laughs> <laughs> this is a snake okay. room <laughs> we can leave it up all year i don't give a crap <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's wrong with you you know but uh but you know uh, the joys of uh i guess you know i said this is my space I don't care what you do with the rest of the house. The house is yours. This, this is my space. <laughs> you know, you could do whatever well, you, you want. 
speaking from an insurance standpoint, I have had more people run their cars through their own garages that park their cars in a garage. So uh-huh. I believe this is a good move to never put the cars in the garage. Because yeah. many, many times people are like, I thought the door was up. It's like the door is now like in the street. And yeah, no, 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 no. You don't need to park yeah. the car in the garage. Yeah, so there we go. That's uh, that's what's going on with me. And uh, let's. Uh, I think I, we have Dennis on the line. Let's click him on and let's get Sorry. this going. We uh, over in the chat as we're speaking, uh, we got uh, our good buddy Scott. He's posting up uh, a whole bunch of locality shots of uh, Woma pythons uh, that uh, mm-hmm. that he's uh, taking pictures in his uh, backyard. So. <laughs> Pretty cool for Wild sure. Wild ones? What an ass. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, look at these wonderful pythons. You know, I walked outside and tripped over four of them. Okay, thank yeah. you. That was nice. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get uh, this whatever. going. Yeah. Hey, Dennis. Welcome to NPR. How you doing? Glad to have you. I'm very good. How are you? Very good. This is what we do on a Tuesday, so this is normal for us. So, but so you can you can hear me show. okay with all this? Yes, we can. Oh, yeah. What, what's all this? Okay. Are you like working in construction zone? <laughs> no, I'm just outside. Actually, I decided I'd get in the pool, have a beer, put some headsets on, and talk to you all. So I was good and relaxed. Dude, so, like, nice. You've done, <laughs> apparently, you're just twenty times better at this than we are. So, and I even I even went out and got a haircut, so I look good for you too. Nice, because we can. Uh, um, yeah. All right. So whatever. Oh man, this guy's <laughs> high end. I like how he rolls. I know. <laughs> Jesus, we have to do a show from your pool, so we're gonna do that. <laughs> so, but I'm not really that high end, but that's good. That's good. <laughs> just, just let him go. He throws that label on everything. But um, Dennis, why don't you tell us what kind of gave you the whole reptile bug? What you got? What got you started? So when I was a kid, we used to we lived across the street from some woods, and so we would catch bullfrogs and garter snakes and things like that and then I don't know I'd say I liked stuff but I never really had any huge interest until I hit high school and then I was in high school and my biology teacher had mm-hmm. black rat snakes boas toke geckos and like rosehair tarantulas in the classroom and so nice I thought that was pretty cool I would say I probably spent more time looking at that than my book work which probably you know kind of destroyed <laughs> my life but um Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so that probably got me that, – that was something that made me really start looking at things. And then one night we were actually – I was with my parents. I was, I don't know, 14, whatever I was. And uh, David Letterman was on, and they had somebody on there that brought a whole bunch of reptiles on. And so whatever it was about that evening, I remember some tiger salamanders and some other things. And so I had to have something at that point in time, which took a lot right. of convincing. And so I – I don't know. I think I begged and pleaded and ended up getting some leopard geckos. Uh, and that was kind of how it started, I would say. And then, I don't know, by the time I was like a junior in high school, half of my room had a hallway down the middle of it, and there were cages on either side. And there were, <laughs> there were you know, bearded dragons, savannah monitor, black roughneck monitor, leopard geckos. And so... I had a lot of different stuff like that, water dragons, things like that. And then I started breeding bearded dragons when I was like 
I don't know, I paid $170 for my first bearded dragon out of the pet store. So it was like, you know, I don't know, it was a while. It was probably like 92. Mm-hmm. And um, I started breeding them and I started making good money. And I was living at my parents' house. And so I was like, I have to have a snake. I have to do some sort of snake something. <laughs> okay. and, and at this point in time, I, I tried to start working at a pet store that was local, that was a really big reptile shop. And they put me like, I don't know, I think I had to be on the waiting list to be working there for about a year or whatever it was. But my first snake was a carpet python, actually. It was a coastal carpet. And uh, that was probably the hardest convincing job I think I've ever had to do on any <laughs> thing. I'm convincing my parents to let me have that. And then because this is how we all go within like a year all of a sudden I had a trio of coastal carpets and I had a pair of green tree pythons and that was oh kind of how God. it right and just snowballed so, yeah and so I had an iguana and I had all this different and so I had mainly lizards but I had some carpet pythons and green tree pythons which wasn't a bad way to start and so mm. that's kind of that's kind of how it started um and then I started working at a big store for I think when I was I don't know. I think I was 16 when I finally got a job there. And then mm-hmm. once you work in a store where stuff is coming in and out, the sky's the limit. I think you just have you have whatever you can get, whatever you can pay for. You know, you don't you don't even hardly get a paycheck because all your money just goes to whatever cool animals and. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. At that point in time, I also like I have a lot of books, and so it made it so every paycheck I bought a book. You know, and so. I bought some kind of reptile book and did that, and I'd say that kind of made it. So that's what I did. Cool. In a a nutshell, that's probably it. Well, that that is, I mean, if I worked for a reptile shop, I would just be like, you know, the problem is if my paycheck came on the same day as the reptile shipments, I'd probably just end up taking my paycheck in snakes, and that would be a poor, poor decision for that. But anyway... Um, so, well, I was living with my parents at the time, so I didn't really need money, but yeah. so much. So. <laughs> That's good. But you yeah. said you bred bearded dragons. Were they like the first reptile you bred? They were the first reptile I bred. Um, oh, cool. I had leopard geckos, and I bred, a le- I bred leopard geckos, but I didn't do it till after I bred bearded dragons. So, cool. But, but um, yeah, bearded dragons were the first one, and the great part about it was they were, at that point in time, they were wholesale like $75. So, oh. <laughs> you know, and that was the thing. I was, you know, I was 16 and I had four clutches of, I don't know, I think 17 eggs or whatever it was at 75 bucks a pop. You, you know, I was, I was rich. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I, was, I was rich and so oh that's why all of a sudden I, I owned some carpet pythons and some green tree pythons. And so that's where all that money you, went. You were rich right and then that. became, yeah, rich and then became instantly poor snake poor yeah, but like you know you, you, yeah immediately yeah right. and, and also like things were different then too because like there wasn't like i'd never had a snake rack so I, like i immediately went and found greg maxwell who used to build all cages and and i bought like four foot by two foot by four foot black melamine cages for the carpet python and so i had like oh. these monstrous and that's like how i had all everything set up was all these big arboreal nice cages which Sometimes I think is the way to go, and I kick myself for not doing that today. But you know, it was it was awesome. But you can only you can't have but so much stuff if you set everything up like that. So very cool. Yeah. So working for the reptile shop, I mean, like how how big was it? And can you kind of tell us about some of your experiences that you had there um, working for that place? Yeah, so it was called Animal Jungle. It was kind of a 
I don't know, it was kind of iconic for this area. So I'm in Virginia Beach. Um, and it was, when I started working there, it was kind of a hodgepodge of stores. And I don't know, I think the reptile area was probably like 3,000 square feet. I don't know. We, we got in a lot of stuff, but, you know, it was just a ton of animals that came in. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. We At that point in time, we would get big black roughneck monitors. We'd get big white throat monitors, big peach throat monitors. You'd have, you know, we had albino burn. It, you know, snakes were a little bit different as far as, because it was, a lot of retic babies, a lot of Burmese babies, albino berms, rock pythons, you know, and then you'd get, I don't know, 400 baby farm bred ball pythons and some corn snakes and king snakes. But you always got like some oddball things. We got stuff from a guy named Victor at California Reptile. And so every once in a while, you just would get like, you'd say, I want a baby of this. And all of a sudden some five foot croc monitor would come in, you know, I mean, whatever it was, oh, you just got all this. <laughs> and so... Now you you would get you got so much experience because you got to see so many things, and then you know so as far as size wise, that the best thing I could tell you is a couple of years later I ended up being the manager of it. By the time I was I was like twenty two, and mm-hmm. just reptile wise we did about thirty five to fifty five thousand dollars a month in reptile sales and like insects and things and feeders. So and the store that and he had enlarged the store it was like a twenty seven thousand square foot store. There's an old food line right. that he turned into something. And then, you know, so we had a lot of reptiles coming in and out. And it just made it so you just really could see. If you wanted it, you could get it. Wow. It was just a, it was a great experience. And, it, and part of that, we also, um, my boss at the time, we did a thing called Jungle Herps, which was like a, I guess you could kind of compare it to like Triple L now. Um, we would go to like Orlando or the mid-atlantic reptile show or whatever shows were around and we would bring aquariums we'd also bring animals we'd buy and sell and bring all kinds of stuff so that made it so we got a lot more animals and we also sold a lot of things to people within like two or three hours because we were just the place to get stuff in that area so that was kind mm-hmm. of good because you got two or three times as much stuff as you could actually sell because you were selling to somebody else too so it just it kind of <laughs> It kind of spearheaded everything and made it so you just got to see so much so fast. So it was great. That is awesome. So you kind of got, like, you, you'd kind of get, like, pick of anything that came through of what you might want to keep versus everything else, right? Oh, yeah. well, I mean, so let me, I don't know. It was, like, mid to late 90s, we got in 2.3 Savu pythons. Um, oh, and so it was the first time we'd ever seen Sabu Python. So we set up a 110-gallon oceanic tank, put them in there. We ended up breeding them and then, you know, hatched out little orange babies that I don't even think we knew were going to be orange. Um, <laughs> you know, so it made it so just stuff would come in and you could mess around with it just because, you you know, we didn't – we decided we weren't even going to – half the stuff, if you wanted it, you could want it. But we'd also be like, oh, we're not selling this. We're just going to keep it. And so everybody could kind of have their own a chance to, to see it and play with it and figure out how you're going to incubate it and whatever else. So. It made it so you had the option cool. to actually learn something as well as sell stuff. Very cool. So what's your, what, what is your current job at the moment right now? I am the lead reptile keeper at the Virginia Zoo. Why don't so, you tell uh, us about that? Because that's kind of cool. Yeah, so, um, so I've been at the zoo since January of 2000. I was an elephant keeper for a lot of that. Um, and then about and a half years ago they created jobs to make it so you could be over an area um 
so I went from being a keeper to being more or less a working supervisor would be, I guess, the, the way you would kind of do it. So I guess kind of the best of all worlds. I get to be in the field. I get to touch everything. I get to breed everything. I get to, you know, help pick out what we're going to have, you know, decide what what's going to be our future. And we're in the process of actually building, well, I don't say building. We're, we just closed down our current reptile building, and we're going to renovate and make it basically twice as big. So getting to be a part of that is cool. pretty awesome. And should be, you know, we basically, we are going to double our exhibits and double, you know, we're going to increase staff. We're going to do all kinds of stuff, get some crocs, get some all kinds, get some who knows what at this point in time, but I think it's going to be just a, it's a fantastic opportunity and it makes it so, you know, you get to go to work and you get to work with animals all day long. And there's a lot of stuff that I may not have at my house, but I get to see it every day, you know? So that's kind of cool too. It makes it, it makes it so, now I'm not going to tell you that I still don't, stuff every day and go oh I should own that but it makes it so I can also have other projects that you know I can breed frogs and I can get into breeding lizards and different things like that without actually having to deal with crickets and whatever else on a day-to-day basis in my house so it, it, you know yeah. I think it kind of kind of helps in that way that is cool because so, no. you can kind of cure that curiosity without having like roaches running around the house or something stupid so <laughs> right has yeah, there yeah, has there I mean, ever been has there ever been a reptile that you've always dreamed of wanting to work with, say privately, and then you worked with it at the zoo, and you're like, oh no way, <laughs> or vice versa? Um, well, I, I had teamer pythons at home, and I have teamer pythons mm. at work, and I decided that I would sell the ones at home because I don't need to work with them twice. Um, <laughs> so I'll say that's kind of one of those things. Um, Fair enough. You know, I like them. I like them, don't get me wrong, but like a little bit of a break from them is not a bad thing. They're, I don't know. I don't know if there's <laughs> any much that's naturally more beautiful to me, but they're sure definitely a handful. Um, I don't know. Like we have big retics there, so it's nice. Like mm. I like being around that. And I would say, you know, getting stuff, like probably some of my favorite things are Kribos and annuated boas. Um, Kribos. I don't, I, don't I, I don't know that I would have picked out Kribos because I, I, we dealt with one years ago, but a smart cool snake although it's kind of messy but i mean it's a fantastic animal like you know i don't know i think mm-hmm. that's the part that kind of the sky's limited because i'm kind of one of those guys that if i want something i'm gonna figure out how to get it um so well it would with exception you know but um mm-hmm. right i right. think it makes it so it makes it so you're like you know we have amazon basin emeralds we have northern emeralds we have annulated boas so like i'm kind of i have my fix of corrales there and that makes it so it's kind of I don't know I would say I look forward to that stuff every day but there's definitely stuff I would like to get like I would like to have some bolins of some sort at work or at home or at somewhere just so I can you know I got to visit the Oklahoma City Zoo years ago and a friend of mine let me hold one and I was like now that's fantastic so at some point in time I'd like to have that where I can do that anytime I want right Cool. But other than that, you know, I'd say, and other like I would say, Chinese crocodile lizards are probably something that I would. I don't know. I I like having those around no matter what. We I don't have those at home, but having those, that's just a, you get you get to experience so many different things, and that thing is just a fantastic animal that, it makes you want one. It's gonna try to bite you all the time, but it still makes you want one. It's just, <laughs> just a cool little lizard. It'll try to murder you, but that's cool about it. So yeah, and they're kind of sneaky, and they get you, and they don't ever let go. They're kind of. Oh, good. <laughs> One of those creatures. So, yeah. 
always love the ones that once they're on you, it's like, well, you're just going to hang on till you get tired, I guess. So, um, but can you kind of give us an overview of what you got at home, like what you're working with right now? Yeah. So, uh, my collection, I have a, a group of jungle carpets. I've got some Womas. I've got Borneo short tails. I've got spotted pythons, children's pythons, some Meraki scrubs. I've got Maclots, Puskus, Savus, olive pythons. Um, I've got a decent collection of ball pythons, which I know you're excited about here. I've got some green tree pythons. Um, some blood boa stuff, and um, I have one transpicuous rat snake that I caught in Texas that I just think is cool, so I kept it. And then I I bought my wife some redfoot tortoises like a year and a half ago, so they I live like in the backyard, them. so they're kind of cool. Nice. And I think that's nice. I don't think I missed anything. I think that's it. Hmm. Very cool. Cool. My, so my you have a nice. Been odd. So, sorry. Hmm? No, I was going to say you have a nice, diverse collection of uh, of snakes there. Go ahead. Yeah, and I'd say, you know, you know, I'm I'm 40 years old at this point in time, and it's weird. I've owned half these snakes like three separate times in my life. You know, it's, I buy them, I have them, I go, oh, this is a fantastic thing. I breed them, and then the price drops or whatever else, like kind of what you were talking about earlier. Like it happened to be mm-hmm. jungle carpets. I spent a lot of money on jungle carpets. First year I bought them, nobody would buy them from me. You know, and then all of a sudden, like they're like wholesale. I'll give you thirty-five dollars, and I was like, "Screw you!" Oh, and then I sold the whole, and then I sold the whole group of them, and then like a year later, I was like, "What did I just do?" And then I bought them yeah. again, and then you know, and so <laughs> the, the twisted web. It's a vicious, but, yeah. vicious, vicious cycle. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I so. can relate. You know, yeah, um, yeah. before we get into talking about Walmas, uh, I know when we were going back and forth that. um you said that uh, you had the uh, Gary Slipperly uh, bloodline uh, <laughs> that you worked with. That's was that that yeah, the so, jungles so, you sold? <laughs> yeah. So, well, at, at some point in time, it, years ago, I had a couple jungle carpets, and actually, and honestly, the second time I went to Orlando, I wanted to buy jungle carpets, and there were none to be had. They were all sold out everywhere they could be. So, which I think is crazy, especially thinking about how things are today. But like Dick Gorgon was there, like Dave and Tracy, all those different things. And they're all sold out. So you can't buy anything. So I bought a pair of diamond carpet crosses, which I had for like two years. And I was like, this doesn't do it for me. I really want jungles. And so I ended up buying jungles. But my friend Howie had bought a big collection of carpet pythons. And he was more of a colubrid guy. And so he was like, how about you breed these for me? And I was like, that sounds good. And so uh, he gave me that mail. It was a Gary Sipperly mail. There was, I ended up buying a Bill Montgomery female. Um, there was like a Brian Barczyk animal from that time. There was, there was one more bloodline that I can't remember. But, yeah, so I had this fantastic group of animals that were really nice and all more or less like in the first couple of years you could really buy them. So right. had I been smart and kept onto that thing, I could have, you know, tried to give Nick a run for his money on the East Coast or something like that. But, um, <laughs> you know. And I, uh, I also I bought a pair of uh, VPI line animals from Craig Trumbauer. Um, and so I had like a, it was just a fantastic group of snakes. And then I bred like four females in one year. And then all of a sudden everyone was giving me thirty five dollars and whatever else. And so then I was like, ah, screw all these things. I'm selling them all. And so 
I did, and then you can never get that stuff back, and that's what happens. But no, they were they were awesome snakes. Just I mean, just just I don't know. There wasn't even really a line breeding, breeding at that point, and they were just really nice quality animals. They would be great in today's line bred grouping. So it's kind of you know they just were they were nice, and I miss a lot of that stuff. So that's I think that's why everything's so cyclical. Is you get it, and you're like, I did something stupid, so now I've got to chase it again and try to find it. Yeah, and what's you know. Like we were talking at the beginning, uh, I, you know, I was talking to Rob Stone the other day, and he was telling me about, uh, you know, over in Indonesia, Papua New Guinea, West Papua, uh, there's, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a lot of uh, political unrest that's going on over there, and, you know, we say it all the time, but th- those doors can shut at any moment, and, uh, right, you know, basically be cut off from that stuff, and if it's not over here, it's going to be gone. <laughs> you know, and right. I don't know that that makes me nervous about uh, those kind of things that we take for granted. You know, so no, I agree. Yeah. Um. So uh, I do have a before we get into talking about Walmart, since you do have a diverse collection, and since uh, I guess at the moment I'm about to move uh, somewhat of a diverse collection into, um, how 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 do you set up? I mean, how's your setup in your ba- in your reptile room itself? I mean, do you have any issues with having all these different species of pythons and and all together, or no issues at all? Um, well, I have to do certain things to make it all work. So, like today, and unfortunately, we don't have basements here because the water level is too high, and so I have basically a detached garage that might sound somewhat similar to yours. Um, it's about twenty six by thirteen. I've got my own sink back there, which is. Yep. It's your, you should definitely make sure that's in there because that's the best thing mm-hmm. you can have. Um, yes. I was so happy when I saw that. I'm like, yes! <laughs> it's like, uh, you I don't care about anything yeah. else. <laughs> uh, so I can yeah, relate. Yeah. Sorry. Crap. Yeah. The, the only thing I have problems with is that, like, today it's just so hot here. And so my room mm-hmm. got up to, like, 88 degrees. So I'd say no. that that's the thing. Like, I, so I, have, I always have ceiling fans going, and I have box fans that make it so the air is just always circulating. I feel, okay. you know, circulation definitely helps. I have had it, so I've tried to get into different colubrid stuff in the recent past. I wanted to do Mexican Black Kings and some other stuff like that. And I find that I can't do colubrids very well other than a subock. Um, it just gets too hot. I just don't have the 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 temperatures. I, I'm going to probably I'm – gonna, I'm getting ready to try to reheating and air this place to make it so it will be a little bit more efficient and – work how I want it to. Um, right. But I'd say I kind of, I kind of makes it so I roll with it. You know, it makes it so it gets cool in the winter. Um, like I get in the upper sixties at night and then get back up in the upper seventies in the, in the summer it's getting, it does get a little bit too hot for my taste. But so what I do is a lot of times I just put bigger water bowls and everything. Pretty much most things have a cat pan and mm-hmm. like for like Borneos and different stuff like that. Other ones don't do that, but, um, like scrub pythons and all that kind of thing, I find they'll hang out and then all of a sudden they'll go in the water and then they'll hang out. And so it kind of makes it so they have somewhere to go. Um, just because, and honestly, I just can't control it any better. So that's how I kind of try to do whatever I can do to make it so it works. And I've never had right. an actual problem. So I'd say it's working. Um, right. It's not, you know, it's just been, <laughs> if it's, not it's, broke, been yeah. it, it's been really, really hot here like the last three or four days. So that's why, like, the room doesn't normally yeah. get that hot, but today it definitely is, you know, I think just 
there's no release in sight kind of thing. So, but right, I, um, right. I have, you know, I have concrete floors in there. I've got cages for a lot of stuff. I use cages mainly for all the girls. Um, and then I have racks for other stuff. You know, all the Anteresia are in sweater boxes. I keep my male jungles in boxes. Um, right. I keep the male Womas in boxes. Um, I actually keep, um, I have those big vision tubs, but I keep the Borneos in those because I find whenever I put them in a cage, they just destroy it. Um, right. I don't know. I, every time I put anything in there, they flip everything over. I don't even know. But they don't do it in a tub, so I don't know. Maybe <laughs> they just don't like to look out. So as much right. as I would like to have them in something I can see them in, I just always put them back in tubs because they just seem to work better for me that way. Um, right. Borneos are weird. <laughs> Borneos are weird, are weird like that. But And it's been like I have a female here that I've had since 1999. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's she's just a, like as far as the cage part, she's a pain in a in a rack, she's she doesn't even make a mess. I mean, she goes to the bathroom every month or whatever it is, you know. But other than that, it's not. <laughs> That's fun. You know. It's, yeah. It's, okay. Yeah. Well, you you better make sure you're ready when that thing comes. But um. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it always comes yeah, on the that... worst day too. So the day you got to run around, and you're like, oh, it's a quick check on them. Oh no, and Borneo's like sitting in an inch of its own mess. So yeah. And so I'd say, like, all my cages, I have mounted perches. Um, I don't use PVC. I use just regular crate myrtle. We have a lot of crate myrtle around here, and I like it. Um, nice. Okay. And I feel that that makes it so I can clean things easier. It makes it, I've tried to make it so everything is kind of efficient for me. Um, uh-huh. And so I'm, I make it so all the water bowls are, like, in the same right side, and they're, you know, so I know where everything is. And, and I've gotten a wet, like, I've gone to, I use lamps for all the cages. I don't use any heat tape. It just scares me. I know I have it in my racks, but I've had a couple things smolder over the years where it makes me nervous. And then I had a friend around here, actually he had racks, but I mean, he had heat cable burn part of his building up. And um, Oh my God. So I use those little, uh, those little Zilla um, mini halogens. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever used those things, but you can get a 25 watt bulb and it, you can get a hot spot that's like a hundred degrees, like a foot away from it. It's crazy like the efficiency of that little bulb. And, but it makes it so the rest of the, it's only hitting at one spot. So for huh. me, that's what really, really works for me. And they also have little springs on them so you can actually mount it so they're not going to fall off. They're not going to whatever else. So I've really gone to those because they seem to be more energy efficient. And I kind of, I just like them. You know, it, the snakes seem to get, you know, gives them one spot if they want to go. And I use hot spots all year round. I always have some, so... That way they can always get to it if they want. They can. Well, today I went in there and turned all the lights off. But you know, you know they don't need to. They don't need a hot spot if it's 88. But um, no. Nah. Yes, oh, I mean I think I keep everything simple. I have I have all vision cages, and I've got. Um, what do I have? I guess I have herp enclosures racks, which that guy's not in business anymore. So they're just basically hmm. black uh, sweater box racks for ball pythons, and then males, and then Antaresia stuff. And babies. Yeah, I've been thinking about getting the, you know, vision. I use vision racks, so I was thinking about getting their cages because I like them a lot. But, you know, with those lights, uh, it, that picture you sent me of the room, that's that's your setup, right, now, current? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I change it around because I get fancy. I don't know what I do. Um, <laughs> but that, yeah, that, that is the – I do change it around regularly. And one thing I'll tell you is I make two-by-four stands for everything. And I started uh-huh. putting handles on the front of them. I put little metal, like, 
I don't know, like door handles on the front of them. Like so, yeah. And that makes it a lot easier to move them around because I definitely change my mind all the time. So right. if, you, if you're like me, it's like a game of Tetris all the time that you can just keep on playing with. Yeah, but forever. Yeah, that's my room. yeah. So, so I've always, uh, you know, I should know this, I guess, but I've never really, when you put those lights in, are they on the outside? Um, like yeah. it's on a, a, a mesh. It sits like the light sits on a mesh. Is that how it works? Yeah. Or so do they actually have them, the, have the, uh, what do you call them? The hoods or whatever. I have the hoods in them. I, I put them in some of the hoods, but no, honestly, unstacking those things is a pain in the neck. So I don't really, if I don't have to put them on the hoods, I don't. Right. There's a little section in the back that's angled. That's I don't know, probably four inches by most of the width of the cage. And so oh, I yeah. take them and actually, because you can attach them, there's little hooks on them. So I attach them there and then just have them face, I, I mount a perch and have it so they can just face the perch. And so that way they can get up there and get on it if they want. Um, gotcha. And so it's on the outside. I've used the bulbs on the inside. Then I've had, I've had an experience before where I don't remember what it was. I feel like it might've been a scrub python or something where it hit the water and then bolted into the light and then exploded the light. And then I was like, okay, well I'll never do that again. You know, kind of one of those things. Right. So I, you know, I, I used to have lights installed inside all the cages for years. And then I just had one experience where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not taking that chance again. Not do that. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've screwed up up a lot of things. Oh, thanks. (laughs) <laughs> I, I screwed up a lot of things in my life, maybe so I've learned a lot of things. So that's how I try to, yeah. you know, as long as it's well, not too bad, I'm okay with screwing up. Right. Yeah. It's uh, that's that's definitely how you learn for sure. You're like, uh, oh yeah, you, it works well until it doesn't work anymore, and then you have to uh, <laughs> right adjust. Figures it out though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, let's let's talk some Woma pythons. I mean, Woma pythons. I, I I have to tell you that I have been trying to find somebody to talk Woma pythons with for the longest time, and to me, they seem like a very underrated uh, species. Um, one of my favorites for sure. Uh, now Owen is uh, in the Woma python. Um, yeah, I don't know how that group. happened. Group. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that that happened quickly and unexpectedly, but yeah. So, so there you go. yeah. One of the things I thought maybe since you've been doing this a while is that maybe you could talk to the point of you know, I think I put in the question that you know at one point people would uh, you know pay as much to go, they'd have to pay uh, like mortgage their house in order to to go get a pair. Um, when did you start with them? And you know maybe you can tell us about what it was. What was your experience with them, maybe in the pet shop or when they first came in or anything like that? Okay, well, so we'll go back to my friend Howie again at that point, the guy that gave me the carpet pythons to breed. So he decided, because he's a pharmacist and he's a very generous seller, he had had them for a little bit, and then he was like, ah, you work with them. And so he paid about four grand for a pair of Womas from Don Hamper. I would say Holy he bought them in shit. probably like 94 or 95. Um, I bred them for him in 97-ish, something like that, maybe 98-ish. Um, so, yeah, it was just one of those things that, like, it was not attainable to me. I was, you know, I don't know. We used to go to reptile shows, and basically my goal was I wanted to spend all my money before I left if I could, you know, that was kind of... Yeah. <laughs> if you can do it, so, yeah. you know, I, I never really... Uh, 
I never really saved anything to try to get into big projects or anything like that. And so I was lucky to have a fantastic friend like that that helped me out. So um, his whole deal was if I bred them, I got to keep a pair, and then I give him whatever was left over. And so, um, yeah, so he did the hard work, and he got them from Don Hamper. And um, so, yeah, so I'd say like 97, 98, I bred them. I think I got like nine eggs out of them. And I had a pretty crappy um, hatch rate. You know, I had – I wouldn't say hatch. Actually, I had a lot of them hatch, but they would. I had a few of them that died right after they pipped, and then they died. Mm. So I was like, and so fortunately, we were down. I want to say it was still in Orlando, and Dave Barker was there, and we had had dinner, and we were talking to him, and he was like, and so I just started asking him questions, and you know, I was like, I'm I'm having some issues with this, and what do you think? And um, he said, you're incubating them too hot. And I said, I think it's like 88. I think that's what I incubate all my stuff at, whatever. And he's like, go down to like 86 and a half, 87. You'll see a difference. And damn, the next time I did it, I got like 95% hatch rate. Like, so, you know, for me, it was one of those things. It was something silly that I just incubated in too hot. Um, everybody would always have me all worried about the humidity. And so I was so worried about doing stuff like that, that I, that I guess I wasn't looking at other stuff. Um, we had also talked about, I had a friend that had had them that also like he had three clutches in a, in, in a row that all slugs. And he's like, and I was like, why can you, why are these things slugging out every time? And he's like, they're too fat. He's like, give it two, two rats for the whole next year and then breed it. And so I took that snake from him and I gave it two rats and I got nine babies out of it after two rats for a whole year. Now, granted that snake, that snake would eat you every time you looked at it. But my one was that I have now, I feed them pretty regularly, and they still want to eat me every time I look at them, too. So I guess it's not really <laughs> oh, that much different. <laughs> but um, okay, the attitude's here to stay. All right. Yeah. So. Yeah. It seems like you get some lines. I don't. I don't know. I have. I've had three different groups of animals that, and they kind of all. Well, I had one female that wouldn't want to eat you. The other ones, they all wanted to eat you. But um. Most of my most of my experience with them was was doing that, and you know I bred them, and then I got to raise them up, and then I bred those, and then I got another pair from Craig Trumbauer, and and they were some VPI animals, um, and mm-hmm. I got those probably in like 2000, I don't know, maybe like 2004 or five, um, maybe a little earlier than that, and maybe like maybe around 2000 2001, and they have like a cool thing where. And I sent you some pictures of that, but I don't know if you really see it, but they have like some white that comes up the sides yeah. and it actually bred true. Like 50% of the babies had some of that white that uh, came up. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And that is cool. You know, so, so, so part of my issue with, with the Womas would be because like everything else, I said, oh, I've bred these a couple of times and I'm going to sell them and I'm going to go off on cool. a tangent. And so, so I sold most of what I had and, um, I had given that guy Howie a pair of babies out of them. And then the last one I had, I was sitting at a show and I'm talking to this guy and I'm like, I'm trying to sell him a snake. And I explained it so well that I said, you know what? I don't want to sell this snake anymore. I want to keep it. It's kind of like having a king snake and a python all in one. And yeah, they're, they're neat. And there's so much like, I don't know. There's just so much personality to them, even though they want to eat you all the time, whatever else. And so I went from thinning out my collection to going, huh. I just convinced myself, I sold myself, which I thought was really odd. Um, <laughs> I sold myself on the snake that I was trying to sell somebody else. So I stopped doing that sale, and then I ended up, luckily I ended up getting a pair back from Howie that I had, and so that's what I have now. Unfortunately, I got a, 
I tried to breed those about a year ago, and uh-huh. I went out of town, and she laid the clutch underneath the heat lamp. Um, oh, wow. So, so I came home like four <laughs> days later, and that didn't work out so well. So, um, Why is it always when we're gone? And it's like, oh, look, I did these. Like, you couldn't do that, like, the night before I left. You had to wait till I was gone. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, and, you know, it's yeah. – and I, and I probably would have actually like really seen something, but I still have that pair. And so I'm, I figure this year I'll yeah. give them a go again. I didn't try, I put them together last year, but I didn't really like, I got married last year. And so oh. I spent a lot more time with my wife, which I still kind of do <laughs> than I do with my snakes. So it made it so everything was a little bit behind. So, gotcha. Right. Priority. Which I tell her all so. the time that I need to spend more time back there, but at least I, I picked a good one. So I really want to hang out with her. So that makes it so. I have to work at actually going back there. So I go back there at night when she goes to sleep. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Wait till she's out and then run over to the snake room. I got you. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. So, okay. So you're working. Uh, did you say what line you're working with or is it just a mix of lines or I, I can't. The, the ones I have now are actually descendants of that VPI. Those VPI, oh, VPI. animals that I got from Craig Trumbauer. So, yeah. Okay. So I actually am getting, and I've, I'm actually getting another female that um, came out kind of hypoish from those Don Hamper animals that I, that my friend Howie had originally. So he had uh-huh. a girl that I'm actually going to, I was supposed to pick up like a month and a half ago and I just haven't gone over there and done it. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to, and that was my original goal and I just never like followed through. I've produced about seven clutches of them over the last 15 years, whatever else, but I never like, I never kept anything back and did other than like this one pair that, I didn't really keep back. It just kind of came back to me. So I always think if I was a way, if I was a better businessman, I would be way farther along in this whole, this whole game. So, <laughs> well, I, you kind of like sold yourself your own Python. So it's yeah, pretty much. where you're at here. You, you Nick yeah. buttoned yourself, man. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, um, you gave me, I even had a payment plan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Uh, nice. That's good. Oh, uh, so with your line, I mean, I know you're talking about this white sides and stuff. Do you have a particular look that you breed for? Or, you know, like some people do pinstripe look. Some people do, you know, higher uh, contrast. Is there anything special you do with yours or just? Um, and also these, these animals, I really want to see what happens with the white. I just haven't put enough effort into it. So I figure now I'm, now I think I'm focused on it. And so I'm going to actually like put real effort into it. I had, the other ones that came from Don Hamper were a lot lighter, like a really nice yellow. And, you know, and this animal that I'm getting back is, is, is kind of hypo-y. Like, and so I'd say they all had that really like that where there's really no black in them. They're just a really nice light animal. Um, and so I bred a couple clutches of those and I'd say, you know, those were all fantastic animals. Um, but I never really like put a lot of effort into trying to figure out what my end goal was. I just had cool right. snakes and was like, yeah, this is the pair I'm going to breed. And then I'm going to swap them. And then this is the pair I'm going to breed. I, I don't know that I really right. put a whole lot of forethought into it. Um, right. Mm-hmm. The only thing, I, the only project I really put forethought into is the clown ball, the clown ball Python stuff that I have and the jungle carpet stuff I have. I'd say everything else. Well, maybe the, the short tails probably a little bit too, but everything else is just like, oh, I just get a pair and I'm like, these are cool. And so, Right. Let's just see what happens. Gotcha. There's nothing wrong with that so either, man. Like, you know. <laughs> well, and because you know, I've I've done it for a while. I've you know we're we're getting ready to go to 
you know, Daytona and I've been lucky. I've been able to go to every Daytona show since like 1995. And so I would say, you know, it's, but it's so frustrating. And this is kind of the conversation that you guys were having when I was listening in. Um, when you're so excited about something and nobody else cares, um, <laughs> you know, you, you know, you yeah. like, these are the most fantastic, <laughs> these are the most fantastic animals I've ever seen. And then everybody's like, ah, oh, yeah, they're all right. Whatever. I'll, I'll buy them wholesale from you or whatever, you know, yeah. so I think, you know, so it's made it. So I've kind of tried to pick and choose different stuff and then not really thought, long term just kind of like if i have some fuscus and i want to breed some fuscus then i'm okay with that you know if i'm going to do some maclots i'm going to do it and then i'm okay with that i don't i haven't really like thought long term which would probably be smart but i haven't really done it so right yeah man you know I, yeah i can it's something that nick mutton said to me it's something like you know he was in my snake room he's wandering around he's checking out all the stuff and we were talking about, um, I think it was Max, and he goes, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try to breed them this year, and he goes, yeah, this would be nice. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you, he's like, you, me, and like four other people will be really, really excited. And I'm like, yeah, it's like, yeah, he's about right. There, there's that core group of people like that's awesome. Everybody else gonna be like, that's a weird looking snake. I'll give you twenty bucks well, for it. And it's like, aw. So. Well, and I don't know if you realize, but you bought a backlot from me in him and Finley, uh, and so. Oh um, my God! That, that, oh, she's and a so, bitch. <laughs> so I bought that from Ryan Young. Yeah. See, um, but that oh, was the whole thing. Was I was man. like, oh, I'm gonna have like, I'm gonna have multiple animals. I'm gonna grow up, and then I'm like, what the hell am I gonna do if I'm breeding multiple animals? Like, what? I mean, I'm, you know, I'll sell the first five, and then I'm gonna raise the other ones up and make a colony that, you know, and so that's kind of the idea of why I ended up selling that animal too, was I love them. And I've had them a couple of times in my life and I decided I'm not getting rid of them again, but um, mm-hmm. I just don't need but so many, you know? Right. But she is right. pretty. She might be evil, but she's pretty. She is. <laughs> that's, that's the thing is, and then she gets me every time I open up the door. I'm like, Oh my God. You're, and then she swings in my face. I'm like, I, that's right. I forgot you're you. And so it's like, it's yeah. one of those things, but She's a monster, but she loves to eat, and she's so pretty. So she's like the perfect Maclots python. I'm like, you're perfect. Just keep eating. It's great. I don't care if you're pissed off. So, right. yeah. Yeah, and my uh, adults are like, my adults aren't pissy, but they're hungry. So my adult Maclots, yeah, you better be careful time. when you go in there because they're going to eat something. You, might be the water bowl. <laughs> that's that food. Might be my hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might be yeah. whatever's in front of them, but yeah. Whatever, whatever uh but I kind of like uh-huh. that, you know. That, I think that's that's been one of those things that, you know, and to go off on a, that's how I have scrub pythons. You know, somebody called me and was like, "My son left, and there's this amethystine python in my house. Can you come get it?" So I'm like, "Okay." Mm-hmm. I go over there, and there's like this bay window with a cage built onto the bay window with a six inch by like two foot door on the side, and this. I was thinking it was not a very big scrub python with a, like an eight foot female Meraki scrub in it. And so I was like, well, how the hell am I getting this thing out of here? And so I got it. And my whole plan was I was just going to give it away. And I had it for a couple weeks and I was like, this snake is fantastic. It wants to eat me all the time. Yeah. It's great once you have it out, but in the cage. So now I have a trio, you know, I don't know. It's just one of, like I wasn't supposed to keep it. I was supposed to just kind of, you know, I guess quote unquote Hold rescue it. it. Yeah. And yeah. And then I was like, this thing's smart and cool and different. And 
now it's probably one of my favorite things that I look at all the time. I just yeah want to. I want to make babies of those. That's more. Yeah. Yeah, but, I think but my up with don't the poop branches, on me all the time. Man. <laughs> yeah, I said I think you're, you're, right. uh, you're so set cool. up with the branches. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. That's all right. Yeah, the, no, the branches. And if you, you use that crepe myrtle, it's easier to clean. Right. There's no bark. Yeah, that's that, cool. Was that, I mean, that, like, that makes... You just get it from outside. Like, where would we get it if we're not in the area where it's grown? Do we I just have... come down and visit you and we go crazy, or do you're, we? You're more like, than welcome. Um, Sweet. Load it. <laughs> and honestly, when the seasons change here, people destroy it. Like, people take every tree and they hack off the top, I don't know, five feet, ten feet, whatever it is that they, they cut them up. And so you can find branches everywhere around here. I just go and find trees and cut it. I've got a couple in my backyard that I'll just go steal branches off of. Um, I don't know I don't know the uh, the range of it, so I would say – you're more than welcome to come. If you're ever down this way, you're more than welcome. I'll I'll show you where you can get some good pieces. But um, that's that's the only thing that nice. either that or they used to sell like a wood that was similar for birds. Uh, maybe I don't remember what it was called, but like a redwood, some kind of red. It's kind of similar. Yeah, I I, I used to use. Um, there's a store in just over the bridge from Pennsylvania to New Jersey. It's called like Birds of Paradise, where they sell nothing uh-huh. but. Um, uh, like large bird supplies, like macaws and stuff like that. And they had macaw perches, which are these like carved and cooked specialty perches that are supposed to be able to withstand, you know, a macaw ripping at it and pecking at it and standing on it and all this other stuff. And it kind of goes from like thin to thick to thin because they want to make sure they have different grips for the macaws. So I used to use that stuff because it was pretty nice, big, sanded, no points. But you know, it, it's a it's a, it's a branch, but at the store it's a sixty dollar branch. You know, right. outside you just wander outside with like hedge clippers and <laughs> get your branches. So it's one of those things. Yeah, and, and you know, I guess something we could do would be, I'm I've been going to Timley with my friend Chad, but I am not going this time because we're expecting a a baby. It's pretty much like two weeks before that, so. I was thinking it would be a great idea, you but I've been told it's a really bad idea yeah. for me to go to Timley. Um, yeah. no, we could always cut some and bring some at one of these shows, too. That's always a possibility. Right. That's nice. That would be fine. So. Cool. Well, congrats on the uh, on the wedding and, uh, you know, and now the baby. That's that's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> but, um, so... Let's go into uh, how you keep walnuts. Do you do anything uh, special for these? Maybe you can talk about, uh, you know, the caging, the temps you keep it at, if you use lighting, you know, feedings, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, so I keep – I have vision cages in that. Um, so the walnuts I have now I keep in those – I don't know what it's called. It's like that boa vision uh, – the boa four-foot vision where it's like, four foot by 16 inch tall by 24 inches deep. It's not really like 48 by 18. It's like the, the second smallest size. Um, gotcha. It's got a flatter bottom and I use that. I put Aspen in there and then I have pieces of slate underneath where the light is. So that way they can go bask on that if they want. And then I use just a water bowl. Um, I did find when I was younger, I used to have them in my bedroom. If you have males in there and you have vision cages, those males cruise and fall off the lip like, 
constantly all night long whenever they're wanting to breed. So that's not really mm-hmm. conducive to sleeping well. So thank goodness I haven't had snakes in my room in a long time. But I'd say the vision cages are a pain in the neck for that because those males like just cruise and fall and cruise and fall. You'd think they'd learn, but they could really care less. Um, but I, uh, yeah, so all aspen bedding, a water bowl, a hot spot that's, I don't really check it so much, but I'd say, you know, probably like 90, 95. And then my goal for my room is about 82. I would say like the, the high in the winter is about 78 daytime. The, and I try to keep it around 82, 83 in the summer. Um, at night, I let it get down in the winter in like the upper 60s. And it kind of stays the same all, all day and all night in the summer. Um, I feed heavy in the spring and in the, in the fall. And I don't really feed a whole lot in the winter, and I feed sporadically through the summer just when it's hot. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say some of the things that I've found personally that have worked really well for me is once I get breeding, like give the girls a big meal right after I get good breeding. It seems, I don't know if it's just lucky timing, but it seems to be pretty indicative of getting an ovulation or, you know, it seems like things go better whenever I get a good meal into them right after I've seen breeding. Um, right but I try not to make them fat. The the problem is, and if you have, is they always are hungry. They're just, you know, they're always hungry. So, you know, if you go by what you think they want, they'd eat every day, I think. Um, right. The good thing about them too is they eat all of my stillborn babies, all of my, they eat every snake that is not going to make it in my house, you know? So I've never fed them a live thing, but I've had stillborn boas. I've had, you know, ball pythons, Pippin, Pippin die. Like after, you know, those weak ones that don't really make it out. They eat all of that stuff. And I'd say they, I don't know, they relish that. Um, so it's kind of nice to have somebody cleaning up naturally. Um, but uh, I don't know, I'd say that's pretty much what I do. I don't know that I, you know, I don't feed a lot of fatty stuff unless I'm getting breeding. So I try to do more like small rats if I can. Um, those big, <laughs> fat, you know, I mean, this, I have a pretty good sized female, and so she could probably take a large rat, but I really try to stick with stuff that's smaller with them, just because I don't want them to be fat. Okay. Right. So, so, so <clears throat> smaller meals more frequently type of deal? Yeah, I'd say, I, you know, I have ideals of what I'd like to do, and then, you know, life gets in the way, and so I'd say I, <laughs> I definitely am one of those, like, I feed real heavy for a little bit, and then I'll be like, oh, crap, I haven't fed in two weeks, so I need to go back in there or three weeks or whatever it is. You know, but I don't know that – I think that they seem to do well with that. Um, That's how I do it. Especially, yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I'll I'll feed, you know, especially if, you know, kind of feast or famine, I guess. You know, if food's available and I can get it, then I'm, then I'm giving it to them. And then if, the, if my life is busy and whatever else, then I kind of give them the time off, and then I just try to make up for it. And I've found that, like, that really works as far as getting some of those girls to go. Um, right. Just because, like, that sudden influx of food, they're definitely like, oh, wow. Okay, something's got to happen. Let's do it. Right. So, I've never yeah, had I, any. Like I always think. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. You never had what? Oh, I've never, I've never had any issues with them trying to eat each other. Um, oh, which I God. always figure, okay. I always figure would be a problem. Um, uh huh. Uh-huh. I, I had that problem with teamer pythons. Whenever I'd bring food and I had a pair together and I brought rats in the room and they tried to eat each other. Um, but I've never had it with Womas, which I think is weird for a snake that eats other snakes a lot of times. Um, you know, it seems like when they're ready, and I've even used pretty small males because I always keep my males a lot smaller than my girls anyway. But um, I luckily I probably should knock on something. But um, I've never had a problem with, with yeah. them 
seeing a male as as a a meal rather than a breeding animal, which which always surprises me, and I always worry about it. So I watch for a while, but I but I have right. been lucky as far as that goes. So awesome. I don't know. I, cool. I'd say my my philosophy with most of it is I really don't worry too much about it. I just kind of like, you know, I, I don't do it for a business. I do it because it's fun. It pays for you know I, you know, it pays for life in general. Like I definitely add a closet here or there, or you know, it helps with with life and bills. But it also is like. If I don't breed it, then uh, it'll still be there and I can do it next year. So I don't really, I'm kind of like, the more that you worry about everything, I think the more you screw it up. And so I kind of really, <laughs> and, I, and I think yeah. that's one of the things that I've, that I've learned. You know, I always think about people weighing stuff. Like actually, Nick and I were talking on text last night and he was telling me about how big his male jungle carpets were. And I was like, I don't know that I've ever weighed a jungle carpet. You know, I just, I don't know that, mm-hmm. you know, we do at work, we weigh everything all the time. But, like, if I'm looking at it and I can tell when it looks good and I can tell when it's ready or I can tell what I need to do, you know, I can tell when it looks like it's getting fatter or if I feel it. So I'd say, you know, the only time, the first time I ever had to weigh anything was once small pythons came around and everybody wanted to know if it was, like, a 300-gram baby or a 200-gram baby. And I'm like, I don't know. It eats a small rat. That's how big it is. I don't know how big it is. But um, <laughs> <laughs> It's this big. Yeah, it's like, you know, yeah, right. it's one of those things. Yeah. And so I think part of it is, and I think, I think people worry about their snakes too much. I think it's just kind of like, if you're just paying attention and you see that they're at the right spot and they're eating right and, or somebody goes off food or somebody's acting a little bit differently or they're sitting in the water all of a sudden and you're like, why the heck are they doing that? You know, or they're basking all the time, then try something different. I think whenever you see something, I think that's the joy of having a room is you can go in there. I can just go in there and sit on a stool and just kind of sit there and watch and be like, Oh, you're doing something different. I should probably do something with you, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. that's, what's been helpful for me. And that's uh-huh. what, you know, I, I think that's the best advice I give to anybody that ever comes around is just, you know, pay attention to what your snakes tell you, but also like, don't stress yourself out. You know, just like, yeah, you know, I don't know. Enjoy it. Like, right. You know, enjoy yeah, the, yeah, enjoy yeah, the yeah. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be fun. Damn it. So. And durable too. <laughs> yeah. And that's the good thing is, you know, if life gets in the way and you know, you miss a couple of weeks of this and that, like they don't really care. Like, I mean, I think in some ways they like it because then all of a sudden you pound them with something else. You know, it's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that they're affected as much as we think they are by a lot of stuff, you know? So, yeah. So, so, I so my, my, my recipes aren't the greatest in the world because I would say I just kind of wing it. You know, it's, right. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's well, awesome. So, you know, I mean, at least we say this all the time on the show is like, you know, I, there's no set, way to breed i i don't think i mean i think you know just using a number there's five points that you got to hit on and if you hit on three of them then you're going to have success whether it be uh you know a feeding cycle temperature cycle a light cycle you know everybody does it different but somehow the snakes seem to uh zone in on that cycle and 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 you know, people have success in different ways, which, so it's always good to hear other people's, uh, th- uh, you know, uh, this approach, I guess. So I guess since you're, since you got a chair and you're going in there and checking out, uh, your snakes, is there anything, uh, unique that you've observed with your Walma pythons? Anything that, uh, stood out to you that, um, wow, that's cool. Um, I'd say that the most thing to me is that I think they know exactly which, like they know where you go and kind of what they know you're like, they hang out on the side that I get the water bowl. 
whether the lights are on or off, if they know huh. I'm in there, they could be cruising around and they go over there because I think they know that's the side I'm going to open up to feed or change the water. And they're going to give me the same response for either of those. Um, but you know, it's kind of like, I'd say that's the big thing to me is I think that I'm always like, can you go to the other side? Like they're always on that one side and it's not like the, it's too hot or it's not like it's, you know, it's not temperature related because the lights are off. You know, right. I, I would say I, I'm also not one of those guys. Like I go in there and turn the lights on. If it's nighttime, I'm like, uh, you guys will suck it up. I don't do the headlamp stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I go in there and I turn the lights on and I'm going to hang out for two or three hours and I'm going to whatever else. You can go in the back of the cage. It's darker back there. I don't really, you know, I think they'll be okay. Um, but I'd say, you know, other than that, you know, the the big thing would be those males whenever they want to breed. And that's why I started putting them in tubs because it's kind of just like they fall repeatedly. Like it's like they don't, they're just so, I don't even know what size cage you'd have to put them in to make it so they didn't do that. I think it's just you give them a girl because they don't do it once you put them in with the girls, or at least for me, they don't. They don't cruise like that. So mm-hmm. when, whenever they're looking, and I think that's also the thing, if you have them and all of a sudden you notice that your male is like cruising, well, then he's ready, you know, he's, you know, and so right. I think that's kind of the thing for me is just, you know, if you, like I looked at like my, one of my males last night, he, he's just sitting there. Like he doesn't like right now, I mean, I fed him, but he's sitting there, but he's not, there's no activity. He like, it wasn't even a crazy strike response. It was kind of like, Oh yeah, you have food. I mean, but he, like they're different now than they are in, what are we, July? Like in probably like three months, they'll be different, you know? So like come November, which is another thing I don't like, I, I hear people talk all the time. They're like, you know, I turn the heat down this day of the year or whatever else because of the way this house is That's the house that's built in 1955. I can control most things, but not everything. Like when it starts to get cold, like whether I want it to or not, it's going to start to get cold or, you know, or if it's, you know, so I just kind of go with it. Um, and I don't know that it, it doesn't make it so everything's the exact same to me. Like I leave a lot of the, um, shed dates and lay dates on the front of my cages so i know so like i might have something on there I, like i use like if, if you look at that thing you can see everything's kind of color coded at least in a box so i've got yeah. you know mm-hmm. everything everything's a different color so i know what it is because i always i don't know about you but i'll forget to breed stuff because i don't know why i didn't pay attention to it i mean i look at it all the time mm-hmm. but like i'm like oh should i should have done all the green stuff together or i should have done all the and so i color coded everything because it really works for me but it also makes it so like I just it makes it so you know I just can start paying attention to what's what's happening and then you just kind of you know really you just kind of go with the flow, right? I think that's no, that's that's what's worked yeah. best for me. I'd say you know making sure you have food because that's really, that's a big one. You know you need right. food, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> You know, and, you know, sometimes rodent suppliers, like, I cannot bring myself to breed rodents. I don't know if either of you do that, but. Oh, God. No. no. no, no <laughs> Everybody no, always I tells refuse. me it's the way to go, and I just cannot bring myself to do no. it. Um, and I actually found, I, it's weird, but I buy mice from a pet store. Um, so I pay more money than I should probably for a lot of that stuff. But I find if I pack my freezer full, I don't feed as often as I do if I make myself go to the store. Um, okay. So. So, you know, just the way that another one of those weird things in my head, I guess, or whatever. So I could pay half price and have a freezer full of stuff, but I wouldn't feed as often as I would as if I have to drive 20 minutes, go to get, go buy mice and bring them back. It makes no sense to me whatsoever, but it's kind of how it's worked. So, 
you know, it's the only way that makes it. So I just, you know, I, I have to have somewhere to go get it in order to make it so it comes back and, and works best for me. All right. Makes no sense at all, but whatever. Um, yeah. And, the, and I, uh, I don't disagree with you on that. <laughs> no, no, you're correct. But um, so as far as breeding these guys, um, the first question I have is you were kind of talking about how you haven't seen any issues with keeping them together. Do you keep pairs together when it's not breeding season? I have kept a pair together almost year-round. Um, I went through a phase yes. in my life where I kept stuff together all the time. Um, all right. I did it with I did it with teamers. I did it with olives. I did it with um, I did it with jungle carpets. I would say a lot of my stuff, like especially like the ball python stuff, my males don't even really have a cage. Like they just bounce from girl to girl, and I just feed them like in another mm-hmm. box here and there. And um, okay, it really worked. You know, I, I've never had it. The only problem I've ever had was was actually teamer pythons, which I think is. You know, but um, everybody seems to do all right like that. I, I like the way that I, that my strategy for breeding is I do a day on and I do like three days off and I do a day on and I do that mm-hmm. until I see a lockup. And then once I see a lockup, I never separate them again um, until like they're on opposite ends of the cage. And then if they're on opposite ends of the cage and I don't feel that everything's going, I might, you know, I might feed them heavy again if it's, if it's early enough and then I might re- try to redo it or try a different boy or try whatever else or just realize it's not going to go. But I would say, you know, that's kind of how I, you know, I try to make it. And so I see if something's happening with them and that makes it so I have my hands in there and I'm kind of messing with them anyway. But I, I definitely like, I, I've kept males in there for months. And I mean, again, I've had, I had a pair that lived together all the time. Now, you know, you have to make sure that it's tough. Cause once, like once you open up that cage and you have rodents in the room, they're definitely looking, so you've got to pay attention. So I usually just hook somebody out, and I'll feed them in a tub and somewhere, then, and then put them yeah. back. Um, yeah. But I don't. I used to do the whole thing where I would try to feed them in the same cage, unless it's somebody that's picky. Like I've definitely had those snakes where it's like you move them, and then they don't want to eat because you moved them. Unless they're a pain in right. the neck, then I, then I always try to separate them just because it makes life so much easier. I did it with scrubs for a long time. I, I have not been successful with that, but um as far as the breeding aspect goes, but I had, you know, I put the male in there for probably four months. They lived together for like four months. Now might not be the best strategy because they didn't breed them, but um, they didn't really seem to have a problem with it. I'd say they, you know, they, those cages I use for those are like four by 28 by 28 with with pretty big perches in them. I mean, those snakes are probably nine or 10 feet, but they don't look it. Um, But they hang out in big balls and then they'll hang out separate and then they'll hang out in a ball together. Um, they really don't seem to mind. I don't. I don't yeah. say some of them okay. seem to like it. I don't know. I mean, that's anthropomorphic, I think, in some ways. But I mean, I think it's you know, I some of them I think kind of prefer to be around somebody else. I've got I've got a jungle carpet, a zebra jungle that I got from Nick that is like that's the meanest snake I own. Um, but she really like whenever I put a boy in there with her, I haven't bred her yet, but she hangs out with them. Like they don't, they're inseparable. It seems so. Maybe she's like a. She's just that they got in the friend zone or something like that. I don't know, but they <laughs> she she's good like that. Real quick, um, nice. well, we, I, we had a we had a question pop up. You brought it up. Uh, we had a question pop up in the chat about the uh, scrub cages. Did they? Okay. Uh, what model it was? You said it was what forty eight by. 
It's 48 by 28 by 28. Um, I don't know if I could tell you what model it is. It's an awesome is cage. It, like if I, is it what? They have like uh, individual vents that go across the top. Is that, is that? Yeah. Well, yeah. There's huh. three individual vents that go across the top. So there's, and I have those lights in there and that's the one, those are the ones that I usually measure like a 25 watt bulb and those things I can get like a hundred degree hotspot if they want it. It's only in like four inches. So, I mean, they can go away from it if they want to, or, but I try to make it so it's not that hot, but like, those cages are awesome. I really, I have a jungle carpet female in one of those, and then I've got scrubs in those. And and honestly, if I had enough room, I would probably make it so, because it's just so easy to work in there because the snakes are out of your way. Like yeah. You know, so like if you want to interact with them, you can, but if not, they're two feet off the ground and you still have room to kind of clean paper or like sometimes I'll use that butcher paper, which I find to be a pain in the neck. But, um, you know, if I'm using aspen or if i'm going to use every once in a while I'll go through phases where i'll switch over to cypress um but it makes it just really really easy they're really nice cages i i bought one years ago but and honestly the other ones i bought used from people so i don't even know if i could tell you what they're it's it's uh, model I, number I can definitely yeah, i can look it up and i can tell four three nah, i just looked it up yep mm-hmm. 48 by 28 yeah. by 28 yeah that's yeah, a nice cage it's an awesome cage yeah, and, you know, a lot of those cages, I'd say, you know, I could, I don't know if I could get some uh, sponsorship from Vision, but I've had some of those, some of those Vision cages I yeah. have in there, some of those forefoots are almost, or I think I bought in the 90s, you know, they're, and I don't know that you could tell that there's anything different about them today than there was then, they they definitely hold up. Um, yeah. You know, every once in a while I'd like to try some different brands because everybody talks so highly of animal plastic stuff, I really would like to try it, but I'm also like, I don't want to, I like everything to be uniform. So everything's got to look the same. And <laughs> my, my, my yeah. OCD kind of works with that. As uh-huh. So if I'm going to change yeah. it, I kind of have to change the whole shebang and I don't really want to do that. Or I have to get over that. Yeah. Which is probably even going to happen. Yeah. Well, we'll just stick with what we got. Yeah. So uh, I'm the same way. I bet my cage has got to be black. Otherwise I'm twitching. So, Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, right. I would definitely recommend those cages for all, and those scrubs. Like, they do really, they look really good in there. And I mean, I've I've got a big female jungle in there, and I mean it's a little bit big for her, I'd say. But uh, I mean, I'd say she uses pretty much every. She's up there perched and cruising around all the time, so it's kind of nice. Have you kind of made it like? Is it a little bit easier for you to work the scrubs, being that they have such a large cage, or? Is that kind of like they'll come for you regardless? Have you ever worked? Do you have scrubs? I have uh, Jayapiras and Waminas right now. Oh, okay. Um, and That's I had Malukans and, ah, oh, damn it, I have a Timor or a Tanabar right now, too. That thing. I, so I had Tanabars and they were, they were, they were menaces. But, um, I hate those things. So, yeah. <laughs> I bought some from Rolf Kern years ago, a few years ago, and I had them, and I was like, oh, they're so pretty, but, God, they suck. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the thing about the yeah. scrubs is they can they can make up so much space in so little time that all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're like, how did you get here? Um, yeah. <laughs> they're so fluid. Like, it's, it's crazy. It's like the supreme predator of the snake world. I don't know. I mean, like, they'll be sitting, and that's the thing about those cages is they're they're probably seven feet off the ground where they're sitting. 
and I'll have the front yeah. of the cage open, and then all of a sudden I'm like, their head is in my chest, and I'm like, well, how did that even happen? I barely even saw you move there. Um, but it does make it so you have a little bit of room so you can back up and you can pull them out, because once I have them out, those snakes are awesome. Um, you know, one of them I'll take, I can take in the backyard and move around and let it cruise around, and, you know, if I want to try and get some pictures, I'll do stuff like that, which I should have sent pictures of that. But, um, yeah, they're awesome once they come out, but, man, in the cage, they are terrors. Um I think it it does make it easier because you have space. I think, you know, for me, just the space definitely helps. And I also can – and now that I know that they can make up so much distance in so little time, I know I can – well, then I need to just be, like, two feet back, and then I can work my way up. Right. Right. You know, you know or right. if they're – like, if they're sitting coiled and they're not, they're not really paying attention, then you don't have to really worry about it. But if they're, like – if they're keyed in, then just realize it. Which yeah, the good really thing cool. is, is I haven't had that. Ha- I have been I have been bit by him a couple, like twice. But um, which you'll remember it if you get bit by one of those things. But um, oh yes, you will. I don't find that like I find that they have like different meanings almost in what they do. So sometimes they don't mean it. They're just coming out to check you out because they're just smart and want to see what's going on. And then sometimes they're coming to get you. So, but it's all I think it's all just about their house. You know, they're just protecting their house right cool so back to Walmas. um the but when when you go down for cooling with these guys i know you said something i know you said that like dropping temps on certain dates is kind of not your approach do you just kind of start cooling whenever your house starts getting to the right temperature yeah so like i can't fight it um i've got mm. i've got a, a space heater in there to help um, and so, you know, if all of a sudden late November, early December, whatever it is, it starts to, to get cooler and I, then I just kind of go with it, but I don't, I don't do it. Like I don't pick a date and go with it. You know what I mean? So I'll, okay. I'll just go back there and be like, Oh, it's a little cooler. I need to turn on the heater. And then, so then I'll be like, Oh, well then I need to start thinking about, you know, am I going to let it cool down tonight? And then I just let it. And I mean, I've had, I, when I bought this house, I had a, I don't remember what I had happen, but I got down to like 58 in there when they were scared the crap out of me, but everybody was fine. Yeah. Um, but so I've, I've had no bad experiences that you're going to should knock on something with cold. Um, I've, I've never, you know, and, and that's why I always let it get down to like in the sixties. And so if it's going to get in the upper sixties, I'm okay with that. I've never really had much of an issue. Um, <clears throat> but I don't really, I don't really pick a date and I don't do the whole, like, I don't know what is, I think I feel like it was one of your shows. Somebody was saying like Valentine's day is when they, people like go back up and be like, yeah, when they put them together. Right. <laughs> and so I, I kind of, uh, I kind of just, yeah, when, whenever it lets me and honestly, because I'm kind of, again, I, I bought a house that I thought I could fix up myself and I was not correct about that. So there's a lot of things <laughs> that, that I can do. There's a lot of things that I can't. So I'm kind of at its mercy and it's been all right to me. Um, So I just kind of go, you know, I'd say it's, it's cold till March probably. And it starts in probably November, but as far as, as far as when exactly, I would say, I don't, I couldn't tell you, you know, I would say I probably start to get eggs as soon as my earliest has ever been like April. 
but I'll get stuff until like July a lot of times. Wow. So, so I wonder if I'm, I feel like I'm a little bit later than a lot of people. And I think it's just because I'm, because I don't control it as much myself. Like jungle okay. carpet, like different snakes are different ways. Like carpet pythons, I always get early. But, you know, some of the other stuff I seem to get late. When, like I just got some spotted seen... python eggs like a month and a half ago. Not even. Really? Yeah. So, like, when do you normally see, like, locks? I mean, have you seen them in, like, January? Or have you seen them kind of, like, all over the place where it's kind of like, oh, my God, you guys are locked up today and kind of stuff? Yeah. I see a lot of, like, I see a lot of locks. I start introducing, like, in, in November-ish a lot of times. That's when I'll start putting stuff together. Right. Um, and I'll see a lot of locks there. And then I seem, I feel like I take a little bit of a lull, and then I'll see them again. Yeah, I feel like the ones that really count are the February ones to me. Um, like I feel like that's the month where, which I guess that February fourteenth, I guess there is something to that. Um, you know, I, I think I think that you know those are the ones that I'm usually like, oh, this is the real deal. You know, so you'll see it, and then like whenever they kind of really get going, is is usually like in that February maybe Marchish time. Do you uh, combat your males? Do you like? Put them to get, if, I, if a boy's not working out, do you kind of chuck another boy in there? Or? I have never combated a male on purpose. I did it accidentally with some Amazon tree boas a long time ago when uh-huh. they gave me one for a breathing loan that was not a girl. And I was like, wow, those guys oh, yeah. are having a rough time in there. But um, I've never <laughs> combated males. I, I always think about it because especially having olives, I'd like to combat something yeah. to make that work out for me. They trick me. I feel like she gets gravid. Twice now, I feel like she's completely gravid. She's laying upside down a little bit and nothing. Um, but one was I've had pretty good luck as far as the males seem to be pretty ready to go. Like, they don't seem to be too shy. They want to, once the, um, you know, once they're moving around and then there's a girl in there, they're going to go get her. Um, and so, I, you know, not every time is it going to take. And I think that's one of the things is, you know, getting good eggs and getting, but once I figured out the whole don't do them too hot and don't make them too fat, mm-hmm. that kind of fixed all the problems. Like I either got eggs that were good or I didn't get any at all, you know, and I, that eliminated the whole bad eggs or full-term babies that were, that were no good. Okay. Um, so uh, the eggs, I mean, like, so obviously – your temperatures were a little too high, but is there anything else kind of special about the eggs that we need to know about their care? Uh, you know, are they a bit more sensitive than any of the other Python eggs that you've been dealing with, like the carpets or the spotteds? Um, I would say no. I don't, I do everything just with um, a clear sweater box with the light crate and then a water bowl. I don't use any bedding yeah. under it. I just use that. Um, you know, the first couple of times I did it, I went in there and someone was like, oh, you need to wipe the lid and make sure there's no condensation in there whatsoever. And I did that like once twice, mm-hmm. and I was like, that's too much work. I don't know. I'm not into putting that much effort <laughs> into it. Um, and so I stopped doing that, and, I, and it really didn't provide a problem for me. So um, I really think the, the biggest thing for me, and I tried maternal incubation once. And okay. it was the, and, and honestly, it's the only snake I ever tried maternal incubation on. And she left after a day and a half. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and so those <laughs> eggs still hatched and they were okay. But um, I really always tell myself that I'm going to do it again. But that snake really scared the crap out of me. And I was like, you know, I don't want to ever 
I don't know. I, if I can, if I can fix it, if it's going to be some simple fix that I can do, then I don't want to take the risk. Um, right. But I'm always, but every year I'm like, I'm maternally incubating something this time because I just want to do it, you know, and, and I don't, which I should have done with the spotted pythons <laughs> this year because she tried to eat me while I was taking off the darn eggs and she actually busted one of her eggs by constricting me while I was trying to take her off eggs. Oh, oh really? Which, wow. Yeah, which it who sucks. constricts you and tries to eat you while you're taking them off eggs? But the spotted <laughs> python, I guess, is just, I don't know. I never had that happen before. Little, that, little was a, that was the first time. Uh, yeah. The hell? It's a new one. Um, yeah. So getting babies established, are they uh, a little dicey or are they like everything, please put the food in front of me and I will rip it apart kind of babies or uh, yeah, kind of like not, uh, some are, some are. Yeah, I've had one, <laughs> I've not right. had one <laughs> not feed. Everyone has fed. Um, they've all fed pretty much, you know, I, you know, I'd say, I'd have to look back in all honesty, but I'd say by like the fourth feeding, I think mm-hmm. everybody has fed, you know, where it's like, you know, you get, whatever percentage eats first and then second, third. But I'd say they're feisty as babies, um, which I think helps. And I've always done, like, I always start everybody off on live. It just seems like it's just better. I don't know. It seems like I get a better response. So I start them off on live, and then once they're going, then I'll switch them over. But I've never had one that was even picky. Um, Wow. They just are... Machines, they are the complete opposite of blackheads from what I don't understand, which is kind of a shame. But right. I've, I've, had, I've, had, I've had really, really good success. And so that's not to say, you know, but, if, but I find personally, like I use a lot, like, again, I use that tape. Um, I use that painter's tape and I buy it in whatever color I can get it in. And if I can't get, and I also use uh, duct tape, but I make it so if I have somebody that doesn't eat well, they get multiple layers of tape over the front to darken it up. Um, and if they don't eat well after that, then I'll do like, if I'm having them on newspaper and they don't eat like the second time, then I put them on bedding. Um, and it seems like each one of those things you add seems like it increases your odds. Now I don't know if it's because they were going to eat anyway, but like I try to do whatever I can do to kind of make it more and more comfortable if they've given me a little bit of an issue but I do that with pretty much everybody. Whoever's, whoever I have is like, I start off with paper in a water bowl. Whoever eats like that, they get to stay that way. And then if it's, you know, and then I go to, and then I cover up more of the front and make it so it's a little bit darker. And then I might go to bedding and then I make sure there's a high box or something like that. You know, there's now those orders might change a little bit, but those are the things that I do. And it seems like, and honestly, the, the covering up the front makes a huge mm-hmm. difference. Like it really just like, so they can't know, see they, you. Yeah, they can't, yeah. can't see. It's not like because I, I have a lot. I've had a lot of that in my life of stuff that bites things and wraps it up, and then you walk by, and then they let go of it, and all they want to do is try to get you through the box because you're coming near them. And so, right, that really that really eliminated a lot of those problems, and I think it made it so things are just easier um, and more reliable. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. And painter's tape is cheap, and you can throw it away. Like, I have some friends that will paint the boxes. I find that, like, uh, then the thing's ruined. I don't know. For me, I'm like, I'd much rather put yeah, the tape on it than just throw it away. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, just peel off the tape and call it a day, yeah. Well, and what I do, too, is a lot of times if it's babies, I just take that painter's tape off the front, and I put it on the cup whenever I take it to a show. You know, and that way I 
you know, if I take it there, I wrap it up. It's kind of extra security on that. And then when I come back, I put it on the front of the cage. So that way that's like my double security to make sure that I don't mix anybody up, you know, and that way whoever, whoever I'm selling gets exactly what it is. You know, their tape goes everywhere with them kind of thing. Is, uh, is there a method to your colors or it's just, um, I see like, no, it's, in your, <laughs> no, it's just whatever you can get type of deal. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know that there's a method as far as like everybody is the same color as far as whatever morph it is or whatever species it is, that kind of thing. Um, I gotcha. All the baby, all the babies get whatever I have a lot of because they're not, unless it's something that's going to stay. Um, right. Just, so that way I'm not wasteful. Um, but no, I just try to make it like, I think, I feel like as the ball Python stuff, if you look on there, like all the yellow ones uh, are albinos, you know, okay. and all the, what a, and I think the fire ones are red. You know, I tried to do like something like that. So it made sense when I was going through there, but then other gotcha. than that, I was just looking for, I was looking for combinations of, you know, I, I number them all. So I know where they came from and whatever they are. And then that way, you know, that way I can, everything's right on the front. It's, I used to do cards and then a card gets stuck behind this or you drop it or you lose it. Whereas now I just write it on the front of the thing. And then if it gets full, then I just replace it and write up on there what I needed, you know, but it also makes it nice because I don't write like all the feedings on there, but all the egg laying and all the breeding stuff is always on the front. And so you uh-huh. can kind of see it. So even whenever you're glancing, everything is right there. So I can be like, right. oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a month past whatever happened last time. So, I probably missed it, or maybe now's the time I need to kick it into gear or whatever. It's kind of, I'd say they're more useful. And then you can also tell when they're the ones that are paying and, and the pain because they have more tape on them usually. Right. Cool. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, the same so, tape, yeah. Um, all right, so we talked about Walmas. Let's talk a little bit about uh, short tail pythons. So, what are you working with as far as short tails go? Do you, do you have all three species, or do you work with just a specific one? Now, right now, I only have Borneos. I've had all three. Um, I bought some. I had some original Dick Gorgon black blood that he sold, like some breeders, and I bought a female black blood from a black short tail, whatever you want to call it, um, from Tracy that were fantastic. And I kind of. I toy with getting some more of those because they were just neat snakes. But I would say I had red bloods and I bought some head albinos for an ungodly amount of money in, in my world from uh, Keith when they were brand new. And uh, luckily he's probably the most fantastic guy I've met as far as a lot of this breeding stuff. He's just you know easy to deal with. And I had a female go egg bound and he actually gave me another female to replace her like I mean, just such a great guy. But um, yeah. so, I, you know, I had red bloods for a while, and then I've had Borneos for a long time. I had Borneos before this female that I had. I have one female that I've had since 1999, and then I did have a big group of them. I had not a big group, but I had three adult females, and uh, and they were all Keith. One's a VPI animal. The other ones were from Keith. They were ghost-striped animals. Um, and then I got a male um, – goes uh, stripe line animal from Matt and um, mm-hmm. I've read those and I've basically picked out the pair that I liked the best out of all of them that ended up being marbled and with some striping. And I said, you know what? I'm just, 
because I made three clutches of them, and I was like, it's too many short tails for me. Like I just, it was just too many to make three clutches. So I decided. I so I sold pretty much all the adults and just decided I'm going to raise up some more babies. Um, but I've had a lot of babies Borneos over over the years, and I've had a lot of red bloods over the years too. And the Borneos are just there's something about them. They're just a cooler snake to me. Um, they're more durable. Like I'd find, like, I think they're more forgiving. And I think just as far as like just dealing with them, I like them a lot. And so that's, you know, I don't know that they're as striking in some of the ways, but the marble stuff, I can remember going to Orlando and standing in front of Keith's table when he had marble blood, marble Borneos and Sanzinia. And just, I went over there, I don't know, he probably was like, I was annoying because I was this little kid in front of the table. But, um, you know, I went over there and I'd stand in front of that table and look at those things for what felt like hours. I mean, I was a teenager that, that was, those were the coolest things I ever saw. And I never bought one, but I thought they were awesome. So, um, you know, Borneo's just have been the thing for me. So that's what I have decided to do. And so I have a small group of them now. I just have a trio. But I okay. had Two years ago, I had three clutches and just decided it was just too many for me to. It's hard to compete with somebody like Matt, and it's hard to do yeah. some of those things. The stuff, the stuff yeah. he makes is just so outrageous. Um, oh my god, so nice. And yeah. so, you know, then I was like, well, why am I going to make a whole bunch of whatever when I can just pick and choose and make the best of whatever? And so, I really took what I thought were some fantastic animals from Keith and the fantastic male from Matt and got babies out of it that I wasn't even expecting marbles to come out of the thing, but I got marbles. That's the cool thing about Borneos is you never know what the heck you're going to get. Um, and so I decided that I would just, you know, I would actually take these and make this the project that I wanted to go. So I just kind of decided I would start over. I've got that one Borneo female that I just, she'll be here till the day she dies, no matter what. Um, she's just a snake that I just really like. She's kind of, I don't know, I graduated college with her and, have had her ever since right you know i'll have right. her she did breed she bred at 18 uh two years wow. two years ago so i mean you know she's still doing how, well how was the clutch that, like how was the clutch um, blood wise was it like a good clutch did you have some blogs did you have some it was probably half and half i think like i that? hatched out eight i think i think okay. she gave me 16 eggs and eight were good so i think i got half so her, her, okay. also her eggs. When she, when she was younger, she gave me like 22 and 24, and then as she's gotten older. But I've also leaned her up a lot. Like I, she's not as big of a snake as she was when she was younger, which, you know, I don't know. I thought, you know, I think when I was younger, it was like you wanted to make a blood python or a short tail python as big as you could, and so I mean, she was a monster. Um, right. Whereas now, <laughs> she's kind of a semi monster. So, but she's awesome. Gotcha. I've had. You know, I've had friends with kids come over and I can take her out and let them sit with her. And, you know, she's an awesome snake. So she's just kind of one of those things that I think she'll never go away. It's just, a, it, she's just, she's probably what makes me like Borneo the most. And there's, there's right. a good, I sent you a picture of a snake with a baby on top of it. I don't know if you've uh-huh. seen any of those things or not, but, but that's her yep. when she was younger. And so. Oh, okay. She's pretty. Uh, Is that one of her babies? You know, she, yeah, that's one of her babies. And so, okay. um, Dave Barker told me that the line that that came from is where the ultra brights originated. Um, really? I never, I bred her to a brother and then I bred her to a son and I never got any ultra brights, but that doesn't mean that, you know, the way that those things go, you never know what the heck's going on as far as that goes. But, um, you know, just the coloring and that she was just, she's just a fantastic snake all around. 
just in her own right. So she doesn't really need anything else. You know, I think, I think it kind of goes back to a little bit of what you were saying before too. I think it, in the end, the normal form is probably the best in half of these things. You know, you, yeah. you race mm-hmm. to make everything kind of fancy, and then you're like, well, it was kind of perfect when it started. I don't know. Why am I keep on trying to make it different? So, yeah. It was kind of fun when it, yeah, we kind of just mucked it up a little bit, yeah. Mother Nature yeah. kind of had this figured out, you know? <laughs> yeah, and then, and then we well, screw it up, and then you go, oh. Yeah. Uh, Whatever. That's cool. Um, All right, so... Okay, so as far as your setup, I know you talked earlier, so you're using those uh, Vision, uh, I guess, for they're like the BOA tubs. Is that what you're using for gauging for these guys? Yeah, what are, what are they, like 3 by 2 something like that? Yeah. Like they're big, mm-hmm. those big BOA tubs. Yeah. I like them. Um, gives them a lot of room. Um, I mean, and I just use, in the winter, I put a water bowl in there in a hide box. In the summer, I put it in a hide box and a cat litter pan, and I'd say – I could probably put her in like a 28 quart box because she lives in the she lives in the water, like from June to September. Like she'll get out a little bit, but she's just if it's like above like 83 degrees, 82 degrees, she's in the water. Right. And so it kind of makes it easy because the cage is really easy to clean. You can pick her up, pull her out, move her around. You know. (laughs) So, and you know, I've never had any skin issues with her. I don't use any supplemental heat, so even when it's if it gets cold in the winter, she gets cold with it, or they all get cold with it. And uh, they've actually done really, really well. But, again, like, I don't know what it is for me. I've done four-foot – I've done them in three-foot visions, and I've done them in four-foots. And, I don't know, it's like they they just paint the walls, and they flip over the water bowl, yeah. and they do whatever else. And But they don't do that in a box. So, I don't – it's it's weird to me. But, I mean, luckily the box is big, so – <laughs> yeah maybe they just uh, i think sometimes it's just they you know maybe they get stressed from you know being looked at all the time or you know i have yeah, a I mean, uh how my hair scrub like that put her in a cage forget it put her in a tub rock solid yes yeah. you know <laughs> so awesome so what about uh as far as as uh temps go i know temps can be uh can be pretty uh they they don't like it too hot um yes yeah, so what's I, your approach you know, with that i don't i don't do any supplemental heating with them so they're whatever the room is is what they are so you know again my goal summer wise is about 82 83 um if it's like 80 then they're i'd say they do well like that i found like especially like baby wise like they don't they don't do as well for me if I have them on heat. If I have they eat better because they're not going to shed forever anyway. They're gonna, you know, they eat better and they start better. Just on I put them on my bottom rack of my baby hubs has no heat and it's close to the ground and I just put them down there if I have them. I've done that with gotcha. colubrids and I've done that with short tails and it seems like it really it works for both of them. So, huh? Uh, so I just say you know I kind of. I think Keith told me originally his he keeps his he keeps or he kept his I guess at like 82 year round with a, a couple fans blowing each way, and uh, you know I think I tried to emulate that a little bit. So can I tell you a funny story about Keith? I don't know if he's listening. Yeah, man, go for be, it. This would be a funny story about Keith. Be. So year, years ago we used to go to the shows and we'd see each other and whatever else. And so when AOL was 
how you communicated other than there was no Facebook here. So I used to always like AOL messenger and be like, Hey, how's it going? And he would always have to go get his wife cause he didn't type. And so he would go get Teresa hmm. and she would type to me. And so he would sit there and tell her what to type. And so I'd have a conversation through his wife on AOL on the little messenger. <laughs> thing. And I thought it was the funniest thing ever. And so he would like, I would see him on there cause you know, you could, Semi stalk someone on there. Uh, you can always tell when, like, oh, look, they're on there. I'm going to say hello. And he'd be like, hold right. on, I have to go get Teresa. And then so he'd have to run. Right. I'd have to wait till Teresa got there, and then we could have a conversation once his wife got back. I just think that's like the, and he texts now. So now we can text and it's, it's okay. But I just thought that was the funniest for years. <laughs> I think we had conversations via his wife on. So hmm. I just, I had to share that. I don't know if he'll like that story or not, but I thought it was fantastic. That's funny. <laughs> Because, well, he, we talk to him through a Bullens group probably almost every day. Depends on what goes on with oh, that. Dude. So, yeah, he's Gale? part of that whole Bullens thing, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the fact that you're like, he he doesn't type. And I'm like, really? He types like every freaking day. So yeah, it's I like, guess right, I guess well. he learned once he hit like 45 or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So. I figure I'll see my phone lights up in a second. It will tomorrow. That's when you'll you'll yeah. get, you'll get yeah, all that. Yeah, definitely. What about uh, what's your approach with feeding uh, short tails? I'll say like I do the same feeding regimen for kind of everything. So but for them, I don't do the small food. I do big food. Um, okay. But okay. I would say I don't I don't feed as like I don't know that I feed as much. Um, because they're one of those things that, like, the ones that I'm growing up, I don't know, they're two feet, maybe a little bit more than that. And mm-hmm. whatever you give them, they just grow that much. Like, you're like, oh, I think you might be able to eat a medium rat. And then you're like, well, you could eat something bigger than that. And all of a sudden, you're bigger now after eating that one rodent. Like, they, they take every bit of food, and it just turns into snakes. Like, it's crazy, which I guess is why they only go to the bathroom every so many weeks or months or whatever <laughs> it is. But it's, right. you know, they're just amazing at what it is. So I don't feed them often, but when I do, I kind of pound it in. And so mm-hmm. I would say, you know, I sporadically feed. And again, I do, I feed more in the spring, especially if they've laid. And then I'll kind of give them the summer where it's kind of like sporadic. And then in the fall, I try to just put whatever meals I can have in there. So if I can get two jumbo rats into a big female, I'm going to do that. And I'll do that like every two weeks. And, um, you know, you do that a couple of times and then they're ready to go because they, they, they pick up weight so fast too. So you got to almost be careful because if you give them a whole bunch, they're just going to be big and round and then they're not going to do anything. Whereas it seems like you give them a couple really good meals, they're just ready. And that's another right. one of those snakes. They, you know, they, they seem to be, they just seem to like to breed. So okay. I, I think, I think you get, you get a good male or maybe I've just been lucky. You know, I mean, I had one male breed three females, and I just rotated them around, Jeez. and and he produced out of three females. You know, and so, you know, he just everywhere you put him, every time I look at him, and that could be because it, you know, maybe Matt has super genetics going on over there, which he, he does at least in the looks <laughs> department. Um, it's the Philly, Philly you know, water. So, it's the water in Philadelphia. <laughs> does it, so. yeah, yeah, we make good. Good pretzels and uh, you know, good good snakes. <laughs> Crazy Borneo genetics, yeah. 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 Yes. So I and I, I think that's what and it makes it so you're not feeding all the time, you know, which mm-hmm. I think sometimes can be a little bit 
bothersome if you're always feeding because you're always cleaning them too. Whereas if you just kind of, you know, it makes it so then it's exciting. You know, those things come out and they're ready to go. And I don't know if there's any animal in the snake world that strikes and hits harder than a Borneo or a short tail on any, those animals, when they hit something, it rocks the cage or the rack or whatever they're in. They like, <laughs> I always thought they're, they're like an accordion with teeth whenever they're ready to bite something. They just are, you know, just incredible. The strength they have mm-hmm. is just, just the power is, and, and they don't. So, you know, I just try to try to give it to them when they want it. And it seems like it works. It, it, uh, you know, so, so really like I'll, you know, might have a, a month of feeding in the spring, maybe, maybe two. And then, right. you know, and then it's like, like maybe monthly meals or maybe a little bit more over the summer. And then like once I, you know, once it starts to, the temperature starts to change a little bit, then I just try to put it in there. And once you try to put it in, I got done rabbits too, which I think the rabbits are good. They're just expensive and they're not as easy to get, mm-hmm. but, but I definitely like, I think that works really well. Right. So, okay. And and I and again I think as far as like I know you're just asking about feeding, but as far as breeding, if you get a couple of meals in them right after they're breeding, like uh-huh. I think it yeah. just it kind of seals the deal. Yeah, I I would agree with you with that. It's like uh you know, I don't know. It, I I've had success with that too. It's like you feed them heavy in the fall and then, you know, let them cool down and then as soon as they you see some action give them a couple meals and it's like boom they ovulate yeah it's crazy yeah yeah i mean it's nice too i mean yeah Yeah. it it makes it all (laughs) yes everything easier so with with breeding these guys do you drop them down to any kind of temp like you said that they get if if the room gets cooler they get cooler is there anything else you kind of watch with them is there anything you're a little worried about is it something kind of you don't really want them to get as low as or as hot as some of the other guys in the room or i would say the only problem i've ever had was with those black bloods that i got originally and i tried to keep you know they were a little wheezy which as -hmm. an older more experienced person they were just too hot um okay you know i had heat lamps on them because that's what i thought was right and so I had a little bit of issues as far as what I thought was a respiratory problem, but I think it was just that I had them too hot. Um, I think they're way more tolerant of coolness than they are of heat and, you know, also of being dry. You know, I think they need to be kind of like, I don't know that you don't have to have it wet, but you need to make sure that they have access to water and they're like a rainbow bow in some of that cases where it's like, it's better to have them a little bit cooler and more hydrated than it is anything else. And so I think, I don't know that I, you know, I get them in the sixties too, and I haven't really had any problems with it. Um, you know, the only problems I've ever had with them have been when I put heat lamps on them. Cause I thought I was trying to fix something. Um, and then all of a sudden I was at the vet, I was doing all this kind of stuff. And then I was like, it was my own fault. You know, I, you know, I thought, and then you're trying to put drugs into them and you're like, well, we're not really, we're not actually fixing a problem. I created the problem husbandry fixes the problem not the drugs and so once you figure out that that's the case then you know you can fix it without having to put anything else in there you know because once you start adding anything else in then all of a sudden you know then everything's kind of slowing down and trying to fight off of whatever else is going on so i i would say 
The only thing I'd worry about is too hot. I don't, you know, obviously I, okay. I wouldn't have them in the 60s for long. But, you know, a night at 67 or 68 isn't going to hurt them, or at least for – but I don't know that I would do that with red. And I don't know that I would like – like the Borneos have been good to me like that, but I haven't really done that. Well, I have done it with reds, and I haven't really had an issue with it. Um, the blacks I haven't done it with because I haven't had them in a long time. So I don't know that – I think my regimen's a little bit different than it was a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. So – but I would say, like – just in general, the Borneos are just more durable, so they just deal with a lot of that stuff better. Okay. So. Um, introductions. Do you winter your pairs together, or do you kind of like we were talking about, you just kind of chuck them together when you feel the temps are right and the timing's right? Yeah, I would say I, I just do it. Like, I'll start to I'll do that, that same thing where I put them together, and then I take them apart. And so – they're not really one okay. that you have to take apart usually, though, because you put them together, and then he's, if he's ready, she's going to pick her tail up, she's going to avoid, and he's going to be searching, you know. And so I've had really good success with the ones that I've had that they're just they're ready to go, you know. So they are, you know, as long as – a lot of it has to do with just making sure the female's prime. So, you know, I wouldn't put mm-hmm. a – like, I don't know that you'd have the same success if you use a lean female or something that, you know, somebody that wasn't really ready to go. I just make sure, you know, if, if they're not ready, I'm not going to try them. So, you know, I using a good condition female, I would say my breeding success has probably been in the 90% range on them too. Like I'd say it's, I'd say it's higher than most other things. Like when they're ready, the males, like the males mm-hmm. get it done. Like I, you know, I, I'd say they actually are more productive, which, you know, sometimes I wonder about, you know, I think one of the questions Eric had on here for the end is about heat. You know, I, I wonder if it's that, you know, I provide these hot spots for things. I wonder if you're actually doing sometimes a disservice with that. It's kind of the Terry Phillips thing. Don't have them too hot, but um, you know, with, without having extra heat in there, maybe that's the thing that actually makes it so they're so productive. Um, right. But they, they really do. They, they're pretty reliable and they, and they do really well as long as you don't have them too rotund. And I think you feed them right and you put them together at the right time. You know, I think it's, they're good at what they do. Yeah. Yeah. They want to do it, you know? I mean, (laughs) it's it's how they're wired, you know, it's just, you have to figure out how to give them the, uh, you know, the conditions to be able to do it successfully. Uh, Yeah. And there's not a whole lot of other pythons out there other than like a ball python or but a that people usually do multiple females with one male. You don't really see where people are like, I'm rotating my male around all these different things. It's usually you kind of leave them and you, so at least in my experience, it doesn't see. Whereas I kind of treated them like I just bounce them around and it, it seems like it really, they're okay with it. They right. Like, oh, yeah. Somewhere new is a nice <laughs> night out. <laughs> new girl. Done. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, uh, do you have any other kind of tips or tricks with these kind of guys? Because, I mean, like, I have one, and I had no idea what the hell I was doing with it, so I sent it to Matt's house. So um, are there any other kind of trips, tips or tricks you would give somebody who has no idea what they're doing about breeding these guys or trying to get them to reproduce or stuff like that? Tip would be just realizing how to handle them. Um, mm. Like, they're definitely, like, don't restrain them don't like pick them up and just let them dangle. Um, just know how to like 
like even the aggressive ones, like if you support them, they're okay. And I think that's kind of part of just making them somewhat comfortable. I mean, if you have a, if you deal with an aggressive one, then they're a handful because it's, it really is like an accordion. They can have their head at their tail in no time flat. Um, the big, I, mean, I think the most important thing is, is just don't get them too hot and don't make them too fast. Okay. Um, you know, and, and different people have different opinions on the water stuff. And, you know, do they need something to soak in? Do they not? And, and I think that's all personal preference. I'd say I do it for a lot of species in the summer. And I just find that, you know, especially if it gets a little bit warmer, they definitely seem to like it. But I find like, but I usually take it away in the winter because they don't use it anymore. So I think part of it is just kind of knowing what they do. And then I, th- I think it all boils down to the heat. You know, a lot of them, I think, I think for them, you know, cause that's everything I go back to about bloods and short tails is I screwed up with heat. I haven't screwed up with anything else, but I screwed up with heat, you know? So that's, I would say, that's what I would say. I attribute, attribute every wrongdoing I've done with them has been, I just tried to keep them too warm. You know, they just didn't want it. You know, they basically live in a puddle. I mean, you know, or what, you know, they're not. Yeah. They're not looking to be out basking and, and heated up, you know, or, I mean, they might, but it doesn't seem that they like that, you know, so that's my biggest advice, I would say, and also just be careful of the feeding response. <laughs> that doesn't really help you with the yeah. feeding stuff, but, Avoid you know, that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause when they're like, when you open that thing up or whatever it is, they're, you know, I, I'd say they're Gaboon Viper like in that whole thing where they just kind of launch if they're you know, if they're ready to eat, but so I'd say those are more my tips. I, you know, the other part, you probably just needed a little bit more time. And also I think sometimes, you know, when you get animals from different places, I think there's a big difference in what my room's like and what's your room's like. And it could Uh be as far as humidity or it could be as far as airflow or, you know, I've, I've gotten snakes from friends that the things were thriving and I came to me and I was like, man, they're not doing as well as I thought they would here. I need to tweak something, which I kept them just like everybody else. I did. And I've had a vice versa where I send it to somebody else and they're like, huh, it's not doing as well here as it did at your house. And so I think sometimes it takes them a little longer to adjust to whatever the environment is. than we give them credit. Mm-hmm. For. Right. And so, you know, you know, you take wild caught animals. Sometimes you bring them in and you breed them and they breed right away. And then it takes them two or three years sometimes. So like, get on the North American cycle, you know, and I, and I think there might be something to that just as far as you get something from Florida or you get something from, you know, wherever else. I think there's definitely differences. And I, I mean, I felt like I've seen it and I've seen it with Borneos. Actually, I have a friend that I got one from that he just didn't do very well for me. And I don't know. And I, and I kept him the same way that I kept five other animals. And it was like, I'm not doing anything different. He was perfect for him. He just wasn't good for me. You know? Uh-huh. So, yeah. Sometimes I think there's 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 more going on than we realize, and maybe there's things that we can't fix as easily as we think we can. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the things that um, people forget is that when you bring a snake in, they immediately uh, want to put it in their setup, which I guess yeah. the most most of the time works. But I find that if you're, you're having an issue, maybe you want to try to replicate where it came from and slowly acclimate them to your setup, you know? Um, 
you know, if they, if they were giving them a hot spot, so to speak, then you give them a hot spot, maybe, you know, up it down a little over time and, you know, uh, get them into your routine. Uh, I've had success with that, but uh, cool. No. All right. Um, so eggs, I mean, how do you go about setting them up? Is it pretty much like every other python species or is there some kind of a is there a different approach to those guys' eggs? Um, I set them up. I mean, they're you get a pretty good amount. So you need a bigger box, um, and they're, I mean they're a pretty mm-hmm. decent size egg because they're a good size baby. But I, I mean, I do the same. I do the same setup for all of mine. I did a, I did a, I don't know. I don't want to say a study, but I did an experiment a few years, like I don't know, a while ago, where I did all different substrates on different eggs just to see what the difference was, and found that I really didn't find any difference. I used sphagnum, I used perlite, vermiculite, the light crate with stuff underneath it, you know, water bowl, no water bowl, all that kind of thing. And I found that mm-hmm. they all worked out basically the same for me. It was all, and I actually lowered my temperatures for everybody. So I do that 86.5 now for pretty much everything. Sometimes it might take them a little bit longer okay. to hatch, but I find that everybody seems to come out pretty well. And I've had, really good success with, you know, and I haven't had very many of that, but like a lot of those, I don't know if you ever had that where they pip and they look good and then they just, they don't make it. They, they pip, but they can't get out of the egg all the way. Um, right. And I, and that seems to have gone away by me making things cooler. And I guess it goes back to what I was saying about the Borneo stuff is like, you know, for me, I just try to try to keep it like on that 86. And then a lot of times if I see the egg start to pip, I pull them out of the incubator and I set them in the room and I'll let them come out like at 82. Um, just so that way they're, I just, I don't know if there's any good or bad to that, but it's kind of what I do just so I can pay attention to them a little bit better and I can see them. And, uh, I think it works pretty well. I put them, you know, I just, I leave them in the box, but I just have them out where I could see them and just let it kind of cool a little bit. And I would say it, it really works for me. Um, but yeah, cool. I'd say don't keep them too wet and don't keep them too hot. Um, tips. Baby setups. Yeah. I mean, baby setups, because I know we've, we've, we've talked to Matt about this, about his babies, and what I've always found kind of completely bonkers is that he keeps his, like, really, really wet, and, like, every fiber of my python being is, like, no, stop it. But he's like, no, 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 they need this. So is that something you do with your babies, or do you kind of go a different approach? I actually keep them on newspaper and then mm. I go to the dollar tree and I get those dog bowls. that are like, I don't know. I'd say they're like an inch tall, but like four inches across. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I use those. So they're low, but there's a lot of surface area. Um, so, I mean, it kind of takes up half the box and I'd say, you know, I don't keep the paper wet, but I keep that big bowl in there. Um, and I also use a hide box on them because I just find that they seem, those guys seem to like a hide box me and so i do that and just make sure they have a big body of water that's not too tall and it just seems like they get in and i don't i don't ever find the babies like for me i don't really find the baby soaking but um okay i don't know it just makes me feel better to have that low water bowl in there and that way also you're less likely to have it dry out i think that's probably the biggest thing is you know you go to a show and you see those kind of wrinkly babies like you don't want to see a wrinkly baby you know they want them to be you want them to be good and hydrated. And I think, you know, for them, 
they've got so much mass even when they're born, you know, and they don't shed for however many months. You know, I mean, they're, they're good to go for a while, but they'll start eating and, and grow immediately. But they've got, you know, they've got a lot of reserves in there. So if you just let them use them and, you know, and they're also another, like, I find they eat really quick. They eat really, like, you might get one or two out of a big group that are tough and it's always the nicest one. I don't know why that works out, but um, the nicest one is always the biggest pain. But they, uh, you know, I, I think they seem to, and they always seem to start on live for me. Like, I, I feel like you can get, like, two meals alive in them, and then you can switch them over, but I've had very bad right. success on trying to, on trying to start them on frozen. Right. Some stuff like carpet python. Yeah. I would, the carpet pythons I started on frozen, they don't care. Like you might get a couple that are, yeah, they don't. but the, but they yeah. all are going to, but like some of the other ones, like, I mean, I do the Womas with live and I do the Borneos. I would say definitely alive. Yeah. Okay. They, uh, <clears throat> cool. Um, so we're in overtime now, and there's a couple, couple, couple questions uh, um, that I thought would be uh, some cool off topics to hit on since, you know, you work with so many species, um, and I know you sort of hit on this a little bit, but what do you think is the biggest cause of slugs with pythons? Yeah, I, I kind of would say I think it probably has to do with us keeping stuff too hot a lot of times, and... Um... And also not feeding the females. If it's something that has already laid and you give it too much time before you start feeding it again, I find your egg quality goes down, like number and quality, at least for me is what I, like if I slack at that point in time. So I think feeding at the right time, feeding whenever those females have, like they need to be able to absorb that weight as quick as they can. I think if you give them too much time then they just, they're not going to build follicles well enough. And I think that's what you're going to end up with is, is slugs in the long run and then just keep them too hot. Oops. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I have a tendency to agree with that. Uh, okay. Another one. Um, you don't hear this, uh, come up a lot. People talk about it a lot. Hydration, um, and water, um, any thoughts on uh, on that when it comes to keeping pythons? Yeah, I would say, you know, I think it's probably the most important thing, I think, and I'm not going to say I validate this, but if you're going to skip something, the water is not the one to skip. You know, if you need to, you know, yeah. if, you're, if there's poop in there and you don't have time, but there's no water, then clean the water and give them water first and then get the poop tomorrow if that's all you have time for. Mm. Um, not that I'm saying that's what you should do, but, like right. I think the water is the number one thing because you also don't want them drinking dirty water. Like that's the worst that they go to the bathroom in the water and then they're drinking it. You know, I mean, those are the, and I think a lot of, in certain species, like especially like rainbow boas and sh- short tails and bloods, like you do not want them to run out of water, especially if it's hot because you may not have them the next day if they run out of water for too long. Um, and I think right. that's a green tree bite on thing too. Um so I think that's one of the things, and I, and I and I feel like, and I, that might be part of for me why I do the tubs in the in the summer, is because you know you're not going to run out. I might you know I might have to clean it more often. It might be more of a headache, but right. There's a lot more surface area, and there's a lot more that you can that that they can rely on. 
And I think that's, I think it's definitely, I mean, it's the, what keeps you alive. So I, I, th- I think it works for us and I think it works for them. And I think it's also, right. you'll find, I think your stuff eats better a lot of times if they're more hydrated. Right. Personally. Hmm. Okay. Right. Interesting. Um, what about, um, wait a minute, let me pull this question up. With some of the harder species of pythons to breed, you know, say, you know, scrubs, bolins, uh, stuff like that. What, what do you think is the, uh, is the reason any thoughts on like, you, you talked about maybe getting a pair of bolins at some point. Do you, did you, have you thought about what would be your approach to try to get them to breed and be successful with them? You know, I think, especially for like bolins, I think you take a black snake. So you've got to think it's going to want to be cooler at some point in time. So it can absorb heat differently. So, you know, I went to Fort Worth Zoo a couple of years ago, and they've got them in a room that's like 56 degrees. Or I don't know, it was cold in there, whatever it was, and they had bullions and bullions in there. So I think it's definitely – I think they have to have the option. Um, you know, if I knew the right answer, then I definitely would be way ahead of everybody else as far as that goes. But, um, <laughs> I had bullions and babies, yeah. Huh. Uh, but, but there are people out there that are doing it, so somebody knows what they're doing. Um, I definitely would – I think some of this stuff, like – more room than we give. I think, you know, I think it's, it's tough. I think some of these things maybe want a little bit more room than we give them. Now, mm-hmm. then you run into the problems are you give them too much room then they don't eat. I think trying to figure out what it is that you can do to put things in there to make them comfortable, but when they want to get out and make sure they're in shape. And I think also mm-hmm. it probably has a lot to do with feeding. You know, I, I would think, you know, getting them on a feeding cycle and making sure that everything is like, you know, because it works for everything. Why would they be that different? Like, why should they be that different? There shouldn't be that much of a difference in that animal. So, right. you know, it, it's got to be something simple that we're just having. There's just not as big of a number of people working with them that somebody hasn't said, oh, this is it. You know, this is what makes the difference to me. So, you know, you also are dealing with a lot of times wild-caught animals that, you know, I mean, people with scrubs have a hard time with wild-caught scrubs breeding. So I think it might just be maybe as more and more babies come in and people mess with them. But I would say giving them colder temperatures than we're comfortable with, probably, which, you know, that's always scary to give something a a colder temperature than you would feel comfortable doing. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that that was, that's why I failed breeding my bread lie the first year is because they're like, drop it down to 60. And I'm like, what? I couldn't do it. So, right. yeah, yeah. I, I was like, I had amarella, I had Bolivian boas, and like, they're like, you're not getting cold enough. And I'm like, I'm okay with getting my stuff cold, but I didn't want to get them that cold. You know, it's just, I was just <laughs> yeah. like, I'm okay with not trying, right. but I don't want yeah. to kill them. You know, I mean, I was, you know, yeah. and I think, I think that's part of the thing is all these animals are way more durable than we give them credit for. As long as mm-hmm. they're in mm-hmm. good health, they can deal with a way lot more than we think they can. So, you know, it probably has to, like, my guess would be it has to do with, like, the condition that they're in and making sure that they get cold, especially, I mean, I mean, Ari would be probably the one to ask as far as what the temperatures are like up there and all that kind of thing. But, you know, maybe they're more like a colubrid where you need to hibernate them for a certain amount of time. But they need to be able to have a basking spot because they're coming up in the middle of the day or, you know, I, I wish I could tell you, but I w- my guess would be it's body conditioning and food and temperature. Right, yeah, which which are which is a lot of options, but you know that's that's how I would approach it if it were me. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I just like to ask that question a lot of times, especially with people that keep multiple species and have success with multiple species, because obviously, you know, sometimes I think, I don't know how you guys think, but I think sometimes people that keep just one species can be kind of locked in a box and they can't think outside that box. So like if you would give them another species, they would just kind of think like they're not able to adapt to the needs of that species, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like they're kind of stuck in this, in this groove where this works, you know, I, I'm guilty of it. My stuff when just most of my collection was carpets, you know, when you, you get another species that comes along and you try to uh, approach it the same exact way. Uh, obviously short tails and carpets are different. Yeah. Their temperatures and stuff are uh, similar, but, you know, I think carpets are just, you know, super hardy and they can mm-hmm. withstand a lot of keeper error, if if that makes sense. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Like, at least for me, I, I think about like, huh, if I were to get bones, you know, what would I do? Or uh, how would I approach this? Or what would be listening to all the different people talk and you know, give their suggestions, the people that has had success, guys like Ari, who's actually been to, you know, where they're at in the wild and, you know, just try to, uh, to dial that in. But, uh, cool, man. Cool. Um, and then the last question that I got for you before Owen hits on the closing questions is, uh, what's the one species of Python that you hope to breed within the next five years? Well, I guess for me, well, the, the ones that I have back here would be I want to make some olive pythons, like, horribly. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and and I want to breed those scrub pythons. So I've got scrub pythons and olives. I already have them. I just need to breed right. them. So, you know, of all the things that I have, although, like, my fuscus are young, but that's a pretty fantastic snake. No. I think all, like, that stuff is just, you know, the, I like that kind of thing, you know. So those are those are things that, I don't even know which one of those would get me most excited. I don't know. I think <laughs> any com- I'm, I'm hoping that I have the choice to say ah, I'm not sure which one was I more excited about. I'm kind of thinking the scrub stuff, but the olives would be. I've been trying for the olives for I don't know six years. I think I've been like, and twice I swear that I was there. Like I, there were big follicles that felt like they were eggs already and. I don't know. And I just, I swear she was basking, she was doing everything, and I was so excited, and then nothing. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, they can be tricky, from what I hear. Uh, I mean, I have a young pair, but. I keep hearing they need, boys need the competition. I tried tricking my male with one of my Macs, and, like, I I don't know if he knew, but, um, no, it didn't work. So, and I also tried throwing the sheds in from a friend's olive that was just a juvenile, and that didn't work either. So I hear they need the other male to kind of get the breeding male all riled up. So, so with yeah. the olives, are you getting uh, are you getting it all the way to the female? You know, like building follicles, locks, all that stuff, and then they just yep. don't. She doesn't go the distance. Ah. Yeah, and so, okay. yeah, I'll get locks and she'll have follicles. You can feel, I don't know, I counted last year, I don't remember what, but you can feel eggs, you can feel follicles going all the way down, and she starts to bask. She even, like, uh-huh. somewhat rolls a little bit basking, and then all of a sudden it's nothing. Nothing. 
And I'm just huh. like, that's just, that's I'm like, just not fair. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's, it's tricked me. And so my Macklot yeah, signal cool. did the same thing to me this year. So I, I swore that she was gravid and she was acting gravid and then nothing. So I was like, I don't know what happened. Yeah. You know, and, and I've, you know, so it's just kind of one of those things. You, you know, you win some, you lose some, and then it makes it so when you do mm. win, then it's that much better. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, I'm dying for Max. I, I, I moved in December two years ago. And what I didn't realize is that my female was, I guess, in the first couple stages of going through getting ready for eggs and stuff. So about a month after we were here, she drops an entire clutch of slugs on me. And it was like, oh, it was a nice little punch in the gut. So I'll be happy to get those. Just like when you finally get the olives, you'll be like over the moon. So No, I I, I definitely agree with that. So The life of stuff How- is just so so fantastic in general. So, I mean, if mm-hmm. I could have a, yep. I mean, I, cause I have some that really nice Sabus. I have Fuscas. I have Maclots. I have olives. I'd like, if I could have a year that I had all those, that'd be fantastic. I'd, that might make it. That'd a, be I, awesome. I just want, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd be, that'd be great. I don't need anything else. That would be enough. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So real quick before Owen takes over, I'm curious, uh, any thoughts on your approach to what you, how you're going to do the scrubs? Um, have you tried with them yet, or is it they're not old enough? Um, no, they're they're old enough. I tried with them last year. Um, I got a lot of I, – I introduced a male. I have two females that are both, I don't know, I'd say 10 feet, 9, 10 feet. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And, you know, I, I introduced him, and he would – one female, he really, like, they would hang out in kind of a ball. They would get up and perch at the uh-huh. very top, and they would be intertwined. I never saw any lockups. I never saw anything with either one of them. But he definitely spent a lot more time with one than the other. So I was sure that something was going to happen out of that thing. So I'm like, I talked to uh, to Dan over at DM Exotics. Um, I asked him some questions, and he thought it could be he thought it could be that I just had him maybe a little bit too warm. Um, so he said eventually they'll probably go. You just need to cool it down a little bit. So I'm so I'm thinking I might just take their heat lamps off. You know that's my my next thing is just you know I've got those little basking things on there. I might just try. They're on the top, so they're going to get hotter than everything else anyway, just because they're going to get you know the residual heat that's rising. So I'm thinking right. I might just take the heat lamps off and then just keep on, and then I might you know just do some introductions, and then you know I I keep on going back, and I know they're different, but I think about that. Uh, that Daniel Matuch was his, um, where he yep. talked about those scrub pythons and the green tree pythons where the scrub pythons are eating like crazy in the trees and the green, green tree pythons are eating the rats on the bottom. And I'm like, you know, maybe it's yeah. you need like a gorge. You need a gorge festive. I mean, how many birds could those things be eating up there? But maybe they just need to, you know, you see those pictures of a king horn eye with a wallaby in its stomach. And so I'm like, Maybe I'm not, you know, maybe they need more food at some point. You know, that's what I keep on wondering if I just need to, like, gorge them once at that time and just see if that some does big something. big food so, items. Right. Yeah. I don't know. So, hmm. I mean, obviously people do it, and but it doesn't. it's not something people do a lot. So I definitely would like to see if I could figure out what it is. And I'm thinking, like, for me, I think I'm just going to make it a little bit cooler. And then I'm going to try mm-hmm. a couple big meals. And, um, I mean, because my goal with them has been another one of those things, not to make them too fat. 
everybody always says, you know, that's one of the big problems. People speed the crap out of those things. And so, you know, it makes it so they're always looking, but I try to make it so I just give them food sporadically and then try to, and then try to give them like a kind of a, a pack set of meals and see if that does. Gotcha. That's, that's going to be my approach this time. Gotcha. Cool. Very cool. All right. So let's get into the uh, crazy questions. Um, and that is if you could work with any species in the world without limitations of the law or price or anything else, what would it be and why? So, it's, you know, I think at this point in time, the own Pelly thing would, would be really. Yeah. To me, I think, I think if I could have anything, I think that would be it. I, I can remember seeing pictures of those things when I was, when I looked at Marzek's book years ago mm-hmm. and just, I don't know. There's just something about that snake that definitely makes me think I really want to try to touch that thing one day. Um, <laughs> you know, so th- that probably would be at the top of the list of things for me would be if I could do something like that, you know, uh, I don't know. I feel like I've been, I've been pretty lucky as far as I've, you know, if there's ever been a snake, and most of them have been, I've done a lot of pitchawocus stuff over the years. I've done a lot of different boas, and I've done a lot of um, different Indo-Australian python stuff. And, like, it always comes back to the pythons. Like, those are the thing for me. You know, was, so it's going to be something like that. There's definitely, like, the bolens would be something I would like to try, and that definitely would be up. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just a, I guess I just want some, like, big, lean tree snake would be something I'd like, you know, I don't know that. Those are those are what intrigue me. They they are cool. Is it, it also is it maybe one of those things of like you, you'd never think it would be possible, and now that it could eventually be down the road where you could get your hands on it, is that kind of like one of those things that is kind of intriguing the species to you more? Yeah, well, I, maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I think about the time that I held that, uh, that Bolins when I went to Oklahoma, I would say I didn't really think of ever buying one, but man, was right. I excited to get that picture and be able to hold that thing. So I don't even know mm. if they were attainable at that point, but that was pretty fantastic for me. Um, so you're probably right in that, but just, I think they just, it's hard to beat like a big, like it's just a big impressive snake like that. It's just hard to beat it. Yeah, it is true. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the reason would be. Just they're, they're just fantastic. I think I don't know. That's cool. Though. I agree. I mean, hey, hey I'm right with you. What I is yours? Them. I don't know why, but I want them. Oh. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. I'm like, I'm like, have it, have it, have it. It's on its way. Um. Right now, right now, what I really am jonesing for is some rhino rat snakes. So that is an those awesome snake. We have those before. It. Yeah, we have yeah, those at work. That is a fantastic snake. Everybody who has them is like, "Oh, and go get them," and I'm like, I- "I'll get there." And then something else comes in the way, and I screw up, and I go spend my money on like rough scales. Or something like that. So it's like, I'll get there eventually. But I, I and I bet you I'll get them, 
and I'll be like, why the hell did I wait so goddamn long? So it'll be they're they're high on my list right now. Yeah, they're neat and they're Velcro. They're like Velcro. They want to stick to you and kind of, but they're good temperament, just great snakes. I'd say rough scales are on the list for me too. You know, then and that is oh. a cannibal. I just haven't put any effort into it. But I don't. You have them. I don't know, are they as awesome as they seem? Yes, and more so. Um, yeah, everybody automatically assumes that they're going to be like scrubby, kind of pissed off, angry. I can never get mine to bite. Like. Like I, I've I've mucked up like I've gone in their mouths to fit, like to clean them out for something and all this other stuff they don't care they 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 never do the threat display they never do anything that would be kind of seen as aggression and they're just so relaxed it's ridiculous and they're just so cool yeah. so yeah that, of course that's they're like my, my favorite yeah and yeah. Eric we don't even need to ask you it's imbricata so imbricata yeah. Yeah, some of the, like <laughs> the selectively bred ones that are down in uh, in in Australia. I mean, some of those. I don't know if you guys are members of that uh, Imbricata group, but some of the some of the stuff that they're doing is every once in a while I'll send it to a picture to Owen and it'll be like, "What's that? That's pretty cool." Imbricata. Oh, Imbricata. <laughs> All right. Other than that, All right, I, I mean. Know, I know. <laughs> For me, uh, yeah, other than Imbricata, probably, um, you know, and I don't know, uh, I, you know, probably next for me, a big one would be, uh, would be rough scales for sure. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one, I, ones yeah. I really like as well is Angolans. Um, I love Angolan pythons. I have a female, but yeah. no male yet, but cool snakes. And yeah, we have like an 18 year old pair at work that, they're, they are pretty cool. I like them. Yeah. Bumpy ball pythons. So, yeah. Yeah. With, with a weird shape. <laughs> like, with um, a weird um, shape, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, uh, all right. Um, so, if anybody wanted to get in contact with you to kind of get on the list for any babies or get in touch with you when it comes to that stuff. Um, oh, shit. I missed one. Hold on. Crap. Um, forget that. Uh, if you could go field herping anywhere in the world without limitations, where would you go and what would you be hoping to find? It's a tough question. So I, I've thought about this a lot. I've gotten to do some stuff in the U.S. and done some West Texas trips. And if uh-huh. you haven't ever done that, you should do it. It's just beautiful, fantastic. But I think I would, I think, you know, it's probably everybody's answer, but I think it would have to be Australia of some sort. You know, I mean, I think. There's so much stuff to see. I don't like. I have a friend that went to Australia. He's in Thailand now. He's scuba diving, and he showed me some pictures of him just with a wild carpet python. And I was like, I don't even know if I need to find anything cooler than a carpet python. I think if I found a carpet python in the wild, I think I'd be good. Um, mm-hmm. I think that I would be I fantastic. Would. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I think, you know, I'm I'm like, oh, would it be an olive? Would it be whatever? And I'm like, no, I think a carpet python would do good for me. I think I'd be quite all right with that. Um, other stuff, I mean, I don't know. There, it's so hard because I'd love to go do, I don't know, if I could catch stuff all over. I, I'd love to do some kind of Amazon thing. If I could find emerald tree boas or some kind of tree boa in the wild, like, that would be fantastic, too. And then I would think about, like, if you could go and go to the Seychelles Islands and see Aldabra tortoises, like, walking in mass, cool. I don't know. That would be mm-hmm. fantastic, too. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to make a list. I'll have to get, get on that. 
probably yeah. top would be the carpet python stuff, just because it's been it was the first snake I ever owned, and I still have them, and I wish I had some of the ones that I had when I was younger because I had some coastals that were crazy um, and, like, so nice um, that I just kick myself for. And so, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that – there's a lot of nostalgia just in finding a carpet python, so that probably would be the, the most important one to me. Cool. I like the way you think. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So now – if anybody wanted to get in touch with you about getting a list of any babies or contacting you about any kind of stuff like that, how would they go about doing that? Now, I'm not very good at a lot of this stuff, so I would say Facebook would probably be the biggest thing. I don't have a business page. We used to have a group of us that were, we went by Crazy Fools Reptiles years ago because there was a whole bunch of us together, mm-hmm. and it was kind of a good way that we could all do things. But it's just if you just go to my name, I have my own Facebook page. I'd say that's probably the easiest way to do it, and then, I don't know, it's I think that's easier than email these days because you can just see it whenever and you can chat back and forth whenever you need it. I'll be in Daytona in a month. Um, I have a table down there. I'd say that would be a fantastic way you should come see me and then you could just look at it right in person. Um, and then hopefully, I don't know if I'm, I am probably never going to make it to Tinley in September or October. Um, <laughs> So maybe March if I do something like that. I don't know. I haven't ever gone to the March one, but we were talking about it. So because I'll have right. I have a I have a couple years worth of well I have two years worth of jungle carpets that I've been raising up that I want to that some have colored up nicely. I'd like to bring those if I don't sell them between now and then. So but Facebook's probably the easiest way. Just go to my Facebook page and just get in touch with me. You can send me any message. And I love to talk snakes. I would say I, I actually at dinner tonight I get pictures of native snakes every day, all day from people I went to high school with and just friends, just, you know, I found this in my yard. What is this? Or, you know, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm breeding this and I had a problem and, you know, I, I met a girl. I don't even know her. I, I don't know her, but she, she bought a snake through somebody else and contacted me. And so I've been talking to her, just trying to help her with some things. And, you know, I don't know, there's not much I like talking more about than snakes. So it's, you know, it's, if somebody wants to get in touch and just ask a question or, you know, chances are I've screwed it up worse than you have at some point in time, so I could tell you how to fix it, or you know, I can <laughs> I can help you get on the right path. And so that's, you know, I I enjoy that part of it. And so that's, you know, any and all things are welcome. Cool, awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. So I think uh, I think uh, at some point down the line we'll have to get you back uh, to talk some boas and stuff, some of the boas and. Stuff that you work with and uh i think that would be cool uh yeah that'd be awesome yeah that'd and, be awesome. Uh, i had a long stretch with amazon tree boas so i could def- i could definitely talk about amazon tree boas for a long time i had a had like a nine-year breeding stretch with amazon those are those are good snakes cool yeah <laughs> that would be cool to talk them for sure um all right man uh we it's awesome uh chatting with you and uh you know uh look forward to uh to talk with you again. Good luck in uh, Daytona. Thanks, and uh, thank you for having me on, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Definitely. Have a good one. Have a good one. Bye. Cool. All right, Owen. Uh, yeah. Lots of info there, man. Lots of uh, lots of Python stuff for sure. Uh, Tons. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I always like talking to breeders that uh, that breed, uh, you know, or work with and have success with multiple species because, you know, they it's just a just just definitely a, a a different perspective than uh, somebody that just works with with one. You know, I, I you can argue both sides which is better. You know, sometimes people that are more fine tuned seem to, uh, you know. I don't know. Sometimes for me, it seems like they're, they're more successful with their goals. If that makes sense, you know, it's like mm-hmm. they're trying to specifically look, work with this and, you know, they just really, they just, they're just at it all the time. So it, it just it appears like on the surface that they're more successful. And then you have somebody that is more diverse where, you know, they, I don't know. It just seems like they have more knowledge because they're, working with so many different uh, species, you know, I don't know. Right. Oh, I mean, you've said it before where you might find a tip or a trick with one species and realize that it works with a bunch of different ones that you would never have gotten to that conclusion if you only worked with like one certain type of animal and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I just, I, I really, uh, I really enjoy talking to guys like that. So, uh, so yeah, I'll have to go back yeah. and listen to the show and 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 pick up on some of his uh, tips and tricks and uh, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna need to so I can know what the hell I'm doing with Walmart. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. That you got him. I, I really, uh, I'm really uh, excited for you because I think uh, I think they'll grow on you for sure. You know, <laughs> it's just it, it, it just it, it, they will grow on me. If if they if next year if this year they have eggs they'll definitely grow on me if they stare at me going out then I'm probably gonna get mad at them so it's yeah yeah it's up to them earn my yeah. love so <laughs> yeah earn the love with the pearly whites otherwise get out yes get out nice. Looking at you, Dominican boas, you either make more horrible little red babies that I feed geckos to, or you're next. <laughs> cool. Matter of uh, fact, I really want to breed them again. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, because I want some. <laughs> so yeah. You have to. I asked you at the beginning of the show, hey, man, do you have, I know you want some citrus tiger head albino stuff. I'm like, Huh. I do. What someone got that that I could uh, that I could just that we could just swap stuff? And I'm like, swap hey, it, yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe I do want some uh, Dominican red mountain boas and try them out and see how they are. And then you don't have any. <laughs> so it's like, oh shit. <laughs> I've been having for like a year. It's like, yeah. Come on. Damn it. All right. Well, chop chop, man. Time's yeah, wasting. All right. Um, <laughs> All right, so next week, um, yes. next week we are stepping outside of the box big time. Oh my uh, God! We're talking um, Burmese pythons. <laughs> How about that? With, oh, uh, this oh, you poor little fanboy. All right, um, well, <laughs> this is your show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's with uh, Tom Regan. Uh, so yeah, this guy, um, right. he, he has some pretty cool projects. Here's the thing of, of why in particular, uh, I wanted to do this show. So in, in looking for information about just keeping and breeding them, it seems that 
nobody yeah. has ever done a show that, at least that I can find where they specifically focus on that. And uh, it seems to like somehow always get into legislation talk, you know, because you so know, we're not going to talk anything about legislation. No, 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 no. Ah. I mean, it may come okay. up in as far as, uh, you know, like how he's, uh, you know, dealt with it and working and around his collection it. and, yeah, his, oh, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so he's in Texas. So one of the cool things about okay. Texas is, is that they can export out of the U.S. So, oh. you know, <clears throat> yeah. So oh. as long as they don't cross, uh, you know, state lines, he can still export out of the U.S. Right. Wow. So, so he's got some really okay. uh, interesting morph projects, and it's I don't know, you know, I I think that uh, I think it'll be a cool show. Like I said, there's not there's nothing out there that people can uh, listen back and you know uh, sort of figure out you know some of the quirks of working with these guys. And it's not a snake that's for everybody. Um, I think that's another reason why. Hmm. Uh, people don't don't work with them. Um, so, but for the people that do, it, it, I think that they will appreciate this show. <laughs> yeah, it is. It definitely yeah. is. It, that, that's a lot of snake. I mean, for, for it, some people, a little too much. Yeah, and I know I know you've worked with them in the past too, Owen. So it's not like gotcha. you're. Uh, yeah. Inexperienced with that when it comes to working with berms, so um, right. so yeah, it, I think I think it will be a cool show. So that's next week, um, and uh, yeah, that's all we got lined up for right now. But okay, so cool. as far as Morelia Python Radio, check out our website moreliapythonradio.com. Um, if you are interested in getting in touch with us or want to. Uh, to uh, talk about show topic, uh, maybe you want a specific guest, uh, all that, uh, just send it to info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com. You know, I'd like to do a show on rainbow bows, too. I think that would be cool. Uh, have you ever worked with them? Uh, I did not, but I keep hearing no. more and more that they're a lot like the uh, Dominicans. So really? I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, All righty then. <laughs> they are not on my list anymore. So. Um, oh, they yeah. they were at some at one point they were. Okay. At one point they were, and they were okay. swiftly removed. So. I, I just remember yeah. when I was a kid, I would uh, I looked at some of the um, uh, Python and Boa books that they had. And I remember seeing that snake and just being like, "Oh my God, that is the coolest snake ever!" Um, but yeah, uh, and I mean, now they have the—I don't know—but the albino ones look very pretty to me. So, yeah. But nope. But they nope, could be nope, tricky. Nope, I think. Nope. I, I I think from what I've heard, yeah. it's like I think Dennis hit on this during the show a little bit is that uh, you know if they don't have water, um, similar yeah. to like ring pythons and stuff like that, you know. Mm. You're gonna run into trouble. So. Rings and white lips. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. All right. So hopefully we'll get that going. Um, check out our Facebook page, uh, Morelia Python Radio. Uh, give us a like. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter, 
to see what we got going on. But uh, Facebook page is, uh, you know, probably the best as far as when we're posting pictures and stuff. And also we do the chat during the, during the show. Uh, so if you're interested in wanting to, uh, to get in on the chat, just send either me or Owen a message and we'll on Facebook and we'll, uh, we'll add you in there. Um, send it to Eric. So. Don't send it to me. Never okay, send it. send it to me. Send it to Eric. Okay. Yeah. And, <clears throat> Um, you can, uh, I guess iTunes is the best place to subscribe to the show, um, but you can get it on any app, uh, podcast app that you use. Um, do us a favor, do do the breeders a favor that uh, that spend their time talking with us. Um, just uh, spread the show around. Um, yep. Yep, just share it around. Facebook is the best way to do it, and for all those people to do it, we appreciate it. Um, and that's all I got as far as that goes. And for me, E.B. Morelia, you can check out my website, ebmorelia.com. And my email is eric at E.B. Morelia. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's all under E.B. Morelia. Uh, you can see what uh, I have going on. I will be with Owen next <laughs> week at the Hamburg <laughs> Reptile Show. Um, of course, I oh picked the God. hottest the hottest one to go to. Yeah, this, that was stupid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't even want to be there. Yeah. So. <laughs> Planned poorly on my part. Um, yes, it was. But, uh, I don't know if I'm going to have babies there or not, but uh, I will be there. So if there's something in particular that you wanted, uh, you know, just get in contact with me and uh, I can make that happen. I'm sure Owen might have some some room on his table that I can throw some stuff I up or do. whatever. Okay, ironically, well, I do. So, yeah. Well, there you go. But so, <clears throat> yeah. So that's what's going on with me. Close this out, Owen. Cool. All right. What I got is August sixth, Hamburg Reptile Show. We will be there. Uh, not sure where the hell the table's going to be. If it's going to be back behind with Matt Minnesota or right next to Jason Balin, I'll just be there, wander around. You'll find us. I'm loud and annoying, so really easy to find me. Um, so we got that. Uh, also, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. You also go on Rogue Reptiles Facebook page where we have a lot of these super caramel jags as well as caramel jags uh, and caramels for sale. There will be more being posted as we kind of move further on and I get unlazy and take more pictures. So uh, if you're interested in any of those babies, let us know. Uh, we also have um, the Hycon jag clutch that will hatch at some point god only knows when um there was an incubator era and they're still cooking so we'll see um if you want to get any on any of those lists or get in contact with me you can definitely just send me a message through rogue's facebook page or my personal facebook page or send us an email to the contact page on rogue-reptiles.com that's all i got that's all we got so what we will say is Uh, We're going to catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python Radio. Good night, everybody.